And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome back to Flashback Fridays. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, kids, you caught me just in time. I was just pulling the Wayback Machine out. I gassed that sucker all up, and we're ready to head out for the day. What we do here, if you're brand new to the show, is we go and we dive into the Jaisal Modcast archives. We have almost 300 podcasts, probably a little bit more now, but in the beginning we had almost 300 and what we do is we'll pull three shows, um, and we'll listen to them, then we'll talk about them, and then we'll go our merry way until you come back f- next Friday. Um, all right, so there's really nothing going on here, again, as you can probably tell by the background. Nobody's here, just me. I actually have my dog with me today, Cody, but, you know, he's quiet and he's asleep in the corner, so eh, so much for man's best friend and companionship. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Uh, any news? Nope. Uh, just everything's just nice and quiet. I do have a bit of info, which I thought was interesting. This is episode 10, so that means that we have already played 30 hours of Jaisal Modcast Entertainment for free. And I hope you enter, uh, I hope you are entertained rather. Um, and I, I hope you continue to come back. Now, there might be a shift in the schedule when we come back from the break. Uh, I might find someone else to, to take over Flashback Fridays for me. Just a little surprise here. Um, I am working on the Yotnome animated film. Um, and it's it's starting to take a little bit more of my time, so I might need a new podcaster. So you know, if if we come back and and if it's somebody brand new, I hope you you know welcome him with open arms like you guys have done with me. Okay, enough of the bibble babble jabble. Let's get to what you're here for. Let's check the flux capacitor. Do I have to pay for that flux capacitor? I don't know. Okay, let's just go ahead and start this up. And like I said, we pick three shows. Actually, what it is is we pick three shows with a particular episode. Um, we even have shows that have already closed and ended. We have them in here as well. Uh, so we can go, we can literally go all the way, and I don't think I've picked it yet, but we can literally go all the way back to our very first show, which was Scene Red number 1. Uh, and that was back in 2012. Okay, let's go ahead. And let's see. It's all stuck together here. Okay. Oh, we're kicking it off some fun stuff this week, kids. This is the Movie Madhouse special number four, which is... The Clerks 2 special. That's what made me all giggly and excited because I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. So, yes, that makes me happy. 
Okay, let me give you the rundown here. Released November 5th, 2013. This week, Movie Madhouse Gang decides to view Kevin Smith's askew in the form of a special Clerks 2 review. This is going to be good. Like I said, I, I love the movie Madhouse, love Clerks 2, and... That's just everything in a nutshell. Okay, let's sit back, relax, hold on tight, because the Wayback Machine does get a little fast here. And enjoy the Movie Madhouse Clerks 2 special. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Movie Madhouse. Another special. Yes. We love our specials. Yeah, we do, especially because Jay always is the only one that does the introductions for him. <laughs> it sure seems that way. Uh, it's just everything, the way everything... Falls. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So um, I'm Jason. I'm Rob. Oh, I'm Mike. Yeah. Yep. We, you know, just in case we get those <laughs> new guys out there, you know. So as we said, this is a special, and we're trying something a little different here. We are doing the Clerks Two special. Yeah. So Clerks Two actually works pretty good because it's a Clerks Two watch and review. Yes. Uh, essentially. Oh, see. Yeah. Well, you know, for lack of a better term, even uh, we can call it a DVD commentary track. Yes. That were have no association with the production of and or yes. paid by. <laughs> no, we're just doing it for the for the love of the flick. Yep. At least for Mike and I. I don't know what Rob's feelings on it. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to do today, so. Oh, oh okay. There, oh, this is, Randall. this is a much more relaxed way of doing these uh, these shows. Are, Comfy so. couches and stuff. Yeah. There we go. Oh. And we're All now. Right. Okay, so we've already started the... Uh, the the show we yeah. have just seen Dante roll up the first of the uh, security guard or the security windows and the whole fact that it opens in black and white like the original absolutely and then as soon as the slide goes up there's the flames in color yeah so <laughs> you you're already you're kind of flashing back calling back to the first one and then you get the uh, surprise of the uh, whoa what's going on here and yeah. then yeah, then uh, you just didn't know, you know, you're thinking, clear. oh, do we just have to sit through them at the store all over again? Yeah. And no. <laughs> no, man. So he's a, he, he, Smith already throws a curveball at us on the very first, like, the opening 30 seconds of the movie. And it's, you know, naturally, Randall doesn't even notice. No. <laughs> Spider-Men are wandering around. He wanders in the store. He's completely oblivious and walks into the, into the burned-out quick stop and is... Quickly escorted out by one of the firefighters, <laughs> and of course he uh, he immediately wants to blame terrorists. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it, it, why wouldn't it be terrorists that uh, burn down the quick stop? You think yes, that's a logical tactical attack point. Right Absolutely, there. like I said, that was the uh, the the heart and soul of the New Jersey uh, defense, right there. Exactly. The, uh, yes, they weakened the the New Jersey coast. Yeah. Doing the, that. Uh, the Leonardo <laughs> Quick Stop, or uh, <laughs> so we've got. Actually, so we're looking at the the title sequence right now. We are we've got uh, Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, uh, Rosario Dawson, Jen Swabach, um, Jay Kevin. Muse, and Kevin, of course. Yep. Jan, uh, Jan Bob have to be back. Yeah, um, uh, Fairman, Jeremy Fairman. Yes. Uh, so we're we're driving <clears throat> driving along. We. Uh, Oh, Dante picks up Randall, and they're heading to to work. Yes. Yeah. Now, so. tidbit, when he comes out of that house, that's actually Kevin Smith's childhood house. 
Yes. 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 Yeah. He has uh, Smith has done that a couple times. Like he, when he goes back to New Jersey, he'll uh, he'll do nice callbacks to his uh, his childhood by going to his childhood homes and. Well, they they try. He tries to make really trick you into thinking it is Jersey, yeah. even though they actually filmed the movie, I think, in Philadelphia. Yeah, <laughs> not far from it, mind no, you. No, so Philly's they, not that far from Jersey, but no. Apparently, that place still runs, even though it's all uh, CGI there to look burnt. Yes, <laughs> yes. The quick stop, I believe, is still in operation. RST, I think, is closed, but it is still there. And I believe there's still stuff on the shelves, like, I think. Oh, so they just closed the doors? I thought I heard something about that, yeah. like, recently. Or maybe maybe that was somebody saying they should. No, you know, I can't remember exactly how what I heard. But it it, it is still there. The sign is still there, at least. Oh, that's hmm. So now we're driving up to Movies, the uh, mythical uh Fast food chain that uh, Smith created that, for, yes, I think the, it was a Dogma made the first. Um... Was it in Dogman that made the first appearance in movies? Mm, oh, maybe because you had uh, the prominent display, yeah. Damon and Affleck as going the, to the movie's headquarters, yeah, and gun everybody down. Yeah, but I, it might have been referenced a little bit, but it wasn't as prominent as we see in Dogma or in in, in this movie. Yeah, said I think uh, they've all for when they created movies. It always became um, their go-to fast food restaurant because they're always referred to it in the – after it got developed, it always gets called back somewhere along the line yeah. in the uh, the other movies. Mm-hmm. And this whole uh, – <laughs> yeah. there they are opening the restaurant, and it's shades of opening the store. They're turning on the the, the coffee maker. They're get turning getting this thing going. They're getting the papers out, you know. Produced by Scott Mosier. Yeah. Who you know, Mosier has stepped back from a few of Kevin's works, but yeah, I think he had to he had to be a part of this because this was him and Kevin's yeah. child. You know, now we have the first appearance of Jay and Silent Bob as uh, they get appearing out of nowhere, mystic, <laughs> mystically getting dropped off from a van that raced by. So, this they said. These two are the glue to a lot of these stories. Obviously, it's and. And the a little graphic screen there, the new and improved Jam Bob. Yeah, because this is actually uh, Muse did get clean for this one. Yes, they, he, they he in the the movie he claims that they had to because of jail time or whatever they had to go to rehab. But that's the reason. In reality, too, came around. In yeah. reality, Jay really did go to rehab. Yeah. And Kevin promised him, "You get clean, I'll let you play Jay again." Yes, I he I think didn't he say he wrote it for him as a incentive? Mm-hmm. I will write another movie if you get clean. Yep. Well, here we go. So, and the, the whole movie, Jay's wearing the Got Christ shirt, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just <laughs> Buddy Christ. Gotta love it. Ethan Seppley makes his appearance as uh, one of the kids looking to uh, score some weed. <laughs> yeah, Ethan Seppley. Wasn't he the one stuck at looking at the sailboat in Mallrats? Yes, he was. (laughs) The poor guy. It's not a sailboat. It's a schooner. I feel for him because I can never see those darn things. (laughs) Relax your eyes. I don't know how you relax your eyes. I only relax my eyes when I close them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That never seems to work. No, no. Well, he said he get closed enough and then you're out like a light. (laughs) You'd be hearing snoring. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so now we're just sitting there talking about uh, Jay's recovery. Trying, trying to turn them, trying to turn these guys to, to the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> nudges, nudges Bob and pops up a Bible. Yeah, so <laughs> the Holy Bible, son. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's their six month chip. Yep. I'm wondering if that's his real six month chip. It could have been. Yeah. I never heard specifically, but it could very well have been. And there's the Bible, <laughs> little pocket Bible. No, yep. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's the, uh, the the dialogue that Smith ends up writing is just I don't know how it, much is is Muse improvising or, or he's not really allowed to improvise. No, according we, we, to a lot of the things that well, I heard back then he couldn't. He, yeah, because he was still you know so questionable where in his rehab and whatnot, yeah. and he still wasn't entirely comfortable doing films mm-hmm. so yeah kevin kept a very tight rein on him <laughs> like what do what do you call it? he stuck his hand up muse's ass and worked him like a puppet <laughs> exactly so now we just had uh randall uh <laughs> railing against a uh, writing a, a flame blog to on this wheelchair uh bound uh person i realized it was kind of blurry and i figured out i had still had the 3d effect button turned oh. on <laughs> there we go oh, now, now cool. we're not going to go blind no. <laughs> my eyes are straightening out as we speak Clerk, clerks two in 3d yeah. Ooh. <laughs> the upcoming so, uh, <laughs> whether you liked it or not <laughs> so there we are he said more exchanges between randall and dante um and if, if any, if you don't know the history, Randall is oh. Kevin's longtime friend. This this couple here, you heard the story behind this couple, right? No, they won a contest to be extras in this movie. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. that's that's where um, and then she dra- like drags him away by his yeah. ear, uh, his ear gate. Basically, the dominatrix thing a yep. little bit there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, they end up calling calling uh, Randall a sicko or something like that. But yeah, she's dragging him by the ear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just funny little touches like that. That's uh, what draws everybody to. Yeah, it was an auction for the Red Cross. Okay. And uh, yeah. the final bid was $16,000. Wow. Yeah. Well, so you know what? It's worth it. So oh, they, it's yeah. worth it to just to have a, a spot on any Hollywood film. Well, now they're... Let alone a film like this. They're immortalized now. Exactly. So we said that... Those images will live on forever and ever now. So, as as, as Smith fans, I couldn't think of a, a greater prize, really, to, yeah. to appear in one of his uh, movies. Well, you do have that opportunity with Clerks 3. Well, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> They're looking for massive extras. Apparently, it's going to be epic. And yep. he, Kevin has flat out said, when we're ready to call for it, if you can make the trip out, and find a place to stay, you can be in the flick. Yep, but you have you know. to be there the whole time. Yep. Ah, Jenna Schwalbach uh, makes her first appearance. She's so lovely. Yep. Mrs. Mrs. Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, you got to wonder, how did she get the part? Well, I think it's she's in the same uh, acting league as Sherry Moon uh, Zombie. Just about. So, I, I put her, I, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. probably a big part of it. Yeah. Well, well, but look at she gets to play tonsil hockey with Dante. Come on! Oh, and a little Ben Affleck uh, cameo. <sighs> it's it's always gold to see Ben pop up in these flicks. Oh, yeah. You know, especially when you realize he's now one of the biggest stars 
in the game. Yeah. So this is this one was shot in 2006. So yeah. It was he was not quite on the rocket ship that he is right now. No, he was. This was in his mid period. Yeah. From, where he took his dive down there, you know. And his line is totally ad-libbed. Apparently there was no speaking parts for him. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't even have a character name. I think in the credits he's uh, as a... Gawking uh, guy. Gawking guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So there we go. We got a... <clears throat> the, the whole... This whole movie, it's just... It, it's really... Randall is the true leading star of this movie. Absolutely. Okay. And... It's the dialogue, and it, I don't. I, I well, you want to give it all to Kevin for writing it, but there's something about Jeff Anderson's delivery his of his dialogue yeah. because you it's you believe that you you really never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Oh no, oh no, and if <laughs> and if you do listen to. Uh, Brian Johnson in the either the Smodcast or watch him on Comic Book Men, you can actually see exactly where Randall exactly is. it's because Brian Johnson is the the proto not the prototype but the the blueprint for Randall Graves yes he was so and that's that you, you actually have him in real life and you can go talk to him if and you having know. listened to so much of Kevin's podcast and all his his Q and A's and whatnot the dialogue he writes for Dante it is Kevin Oh yeah, like Kevin is more low key, but he will say sharp things. Yeah, and that's the way Dante is. He's he tends to be more subdued, but he will shoot back when he needs to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of podcasts, when this thing originally came out in the theaters, they had toyed around with the idea of releasing a podcast to watch with the movie. Oh. Really? To be like that would have uh, been had or podcasts even a thing at that point. Like, I, had they he, he, they hadn't started Smodcast at that point. I don't think so. But uh, if you get the DVD and you – I think it's the third commentary. It's uh, – crap, who was it again? Scott Mosier and Jeff Anderson were okay. in there. It also – like, with Kevin Smith. Uh-huh. And if you watch it on the DVD, it's exactly how they intended it for the theater because it even has points in there going, okay, this is the best time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know? That's what runp.com is for. <laughs> yeah. yes. The Run P app. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we go. Oh, uh, a little fan service from Ms. Schwabach. Yes. So this okay, this there's not much more to say about that. Uh, okay, this this whole exchange where they're talking about um Emmy's, Emma's uh, enlarged clitoris <laughs> yes. is just some brilliant writing. And the fact that she's his wife. She owns it. Oh, yeah. And so she just, <laughs> like, like, talking about one of the lines where, uh, I think it was Randall's going, talking to Emma about her enlarged clitoris. And it goes, that sends, uh, it's just like a small penis or something like that. And it says all kinds of things about Dante. <laughs> yeah. But Dante doesn't really react to that as ever. No. <laughs> See, he like I think he has got to be um, Brian O'Halloran's got to be one of the best straight men in the in these movies. Definitely, because he just the stuff that comes out of Randall's mouth and oh, the, 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 and he doesn't the, crack up. No, he nobody. I don't <laughs> how they 
could get through a shoot like this. Oh, here we go, Elias in his Elias, <laughs> the he's an unknown going into this and becomes probably the most beloved character to come out of this flick. Absolutely. When Kevin first hinted at the idea of Clerks Three, there was a rally online of there must be Elias, there must be Elias, and he but he doesn't do acting anymore. No, he's given it up. He gave up acting, but yep. he is coming back for Clerks Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know on IMDb it says rumored he's supposed to be in there. No, oh, he's no, not, it's not rumored. Yeah. He's he's in. Yeah, he's signed. He said it, oh yeah, it in. wouldn't have happened. Well, okay. First of all, they had to get Jeff Anderson to sign on, yeah, which and, they had to get the audit because they had a long time getting the proper uh, payback. Or I guess the back end deal from this flick. Yeah. Uh, Miramax really messed them around and owed them quite a chunk of money on the back end. Yeah, but, so they did a massive audit and all that. And once that cleared, Anderson was willing to, to look at it. Yeah, because he was, I think uh, Kevin talked about it that he goes, yeah, this is, we're, we're good to go. Everybody's on board and Jeff's on. And then somebody, I think Jeff got a hold of him and said, oh no, we're not good. We're not good by a long shot. Right. And then that's, again, that's And he's it, another one that doesn't act. He only does these movies. And shoot, he uh, he sat in on Smodcast or something a couple years ago, and this was before Clerks Three was an idea. He he milks the attention. He's he oh. made he made good bank off of this. Oh, he lives yeah. in like a retirement community. There's That's a, there's, a, there's a Mosier uh, cameo. <laughs> he hasn't changed. Mosier? What I what oh. I haven't noticed. Is there is no Brian Johnson cameo? No, no, there and isn't. no one would recognize him. Well, you would now, but from the early days, no one would recognize him. No, I said uh, Steve Dave. Like I said, when you look at Steve Dave back in Mallrats, then you look at Beard Guy in Comic Book Men, they're totally. Polar opposites, I guess. Well, I, I watched Vulgar recently oh, yeah. for the first time. I'd never seen it before. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough watch. I when I when it, I'm starting to watch it, and I, I knew who it was, so I, I I paused it and I I looked at Crystal and said, "Who is that?" And she didn't know. Yep. And she watches comic book men with me. Yeah, she didn't recognize him. Oh no, he's completely he, because of the, the weight gain. Yep, the weight gain and the beard and the hair and. <sighs> The way Elias just gets uh, oh, his, totally ripped on through the whole movie by Randall. So the abuse that oh, Elias takes at the hands of Randall. It, <laughs> but he, it doesn't get him down. No. he. Uh, yeah, you can see that it, it, it is stinging him, but he just keeps on rolling. Yep. He keeps on with the his whole <laughs> his religion. Oh, <laughs> singing the King Diamond song at him, and then here's <laughs> the Jay comes through the in. window, <laughs> and there's Bob. Simon Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, boing! Boy. There's and your stunt. The <laughs> there's the, the first bit of slapstick in the flick. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, see, in all we have our first appearance of uh, Becky oh. Rosario Dawson. She's one of my favorites. Oh yeah. She definitely she's definitely easy on the eyes. She's cute. She's hot. She uh, every movie I've seen her in, she's always carries her lines and whatnot with a, 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 a almost I, I want to, for lack of a better term, a swagger. Like she's mm -hmm. just natural. Yeah. Well, you know, said 
she she knows exactly what she looks like and she can uh, she can carry it like there's uh, no tomorrow. And this scene where Randall's just busting on Dante for uh, waving hi to his boss. Yeah. It's, it's just pure class. Like I said, again, if you listen to the the, uh, the comic book men or the uh, tell them Steve. <laughs> 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 there's some news ass on the. Uh, <laughs> That's for the ladies right there. That's for the ladies. The ladies fan service. So the. Uh, it's just you can hear Johnson and. You can hear whenever whenever I watch one of these. I'm sorry, but Jay like boxing with Bob in the background there. Yeah. I've just waited for Bob to just go bang, <laughs> <laughs> just one shot, low low shot too, just boop. Yep. <laughs> I noticed that yesterday. I I don't think I ever noticed that before. The whole boxing thing. Oh, yeah. So I, I I don't think I ever noticed it before, and I just I'm like, come on, does he hit him? Does he? <laughs> yeah, just do the. Uh... The Hulk punch on Thor from the Avengers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not even looking at his pop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but um, when I can easily overlay Johnson and Smith's head on Randall and uh, Dante. Yes. And it would be, it, it would be the exact same. I wonder what it would take to get Kevin and Brian to just read some of these scenes. Oh man! Just that w- to hear that, just have them redo some of the the best <laughs> scenes in this flick. Yeah. That I and then that would just be uh, mind blowing. I think. Yeah. Well, you hear the, the real guys. Yeah. the The discussion of the the uh, Astamote <laughs> scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but the twists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you just don't do it. No. But I would, I would never tell them. Oh, man. It says here, too, that they use 16 different terms for that. Really? In this one conversation. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> so they, it's just the fact that, like, it, it must have been so much fun just to write this and then have it have the vision in his head of how this is going to play out and then to uh, to see it actually come out and to get Rosario Dawson, of all people, to engage in an ass-to-mouth conversation. And that tells you her level of, I guess, professionalism. Yeah. The fact that she took on this role. How much of Kevin's work did she know? Did she know what she was getting into? Yeah. That's <laughs> and then to actually get through it, and it just rolls. Yeah. She so does it flawlessly. You've oh, yeah. not heard the story on why she took this role? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my she was given the script, and she was reading it, and she thought, oh, this is nice, you know, well-written. And then she got to the donkey show. She goes, what other opportunity am I going to have to watch a donkey show other than going out in personal life, which may get me caught? So that's why she signed on. Oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> Sold by the donkey show. Oh, yeah. And here's the, the Silence of the Lambs r- dance. The, just random jam bob profile. Yeah, this is Jay's idea. Was it Jay's idea? Yep. Apparently he does oh, this for Kevin all the time. Yeah. I'd fuck me. <laughs> You'd I'd I'd fuck me hard. <laughs> <laughs> Fixing his lipstick. Actually, chapstick oh, in this case. Yeah. It's a Buffalo Bill. <laughs> yep. That, where the heck did they find the boombox? Where do you find a working tape deck boombox? Oh, I'm sure some property house in, in uh, Hollywood's got uh, shelves full of them. But it gets used, like, numerous times in the flick. Oh, yeah. Like... Although, hey, I found a tape recorder that 
That's another story. <laughs> uh, see? You can find what you need when you need oh, it. Oh, absolutely. You just go digging for Thank it. you, Internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. We got uh, we that little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, I, Becky, you know. and, Becky and uh, Dante having a little exchange in the manager's office. Uh, Becky being... You can always sense uh, that chemistry. You could always sense there's a little something there. You just kind of, kind of guess at it. Yeah. But it gets becomes pretty much blatantly obvious in this scene. It it starts right here that it becomes just brutally honest. There were some other actresses up for uh, consideration for the role. Really, Sarah Silverman, uh, Uh, Rachel Weisz. Rachel Weisz. Yep. Who she considered? They considered her too difficult to get a hold of. There was Bryce Dallas Howard. You mentioned her, and I can't picture her. I know I know the name, but I can't picture her. Spider-Man 3, she was... Who the heck was she? Gwen Stacy. No, that was Emma Stone. No, no, that no. was in the remake. Oh, wrong one. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. See, I can't I can't put the face. Crap, crap, crap. Now i got to think of other stuff she's done. <laughs> but uh, Liv Tyler was also in consideration, but she didn't feel comfortable with the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, yeah, Jersey Girl does is a step back in the vulgarity, I guess. And yeah. It's still questionable, a little bit questionable content, but it doesn't go to this level. No. So <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the language level in these ones are just... Like not non-Jersey Girl one. It goes without saying that this movie is definitely not for kids. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a rated R. Just on some of the situations in the the pervasive language. And, and as straight laced as Dante it comes across, he's always got this thing about the nail polish. Oh yeah. He did it in Clerks <laughs> One with his girlfriend then, and mm-hmm. no. Now he's got to do, was it her toenails? Is that what she's, he's yep. going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Elias just uh, quoted the uh, the One Ring poem and, to uh, Randall. And that is <laughs> arguably the most talked about scene in the flick is coming up. This right here, this is definitely uh, Elias is stepping up to defend the uh, the, the, the honor Lord of, of the, the rings. rings. Yes, I'm still I still like the movie dolls with the the Beanie Baby style with the fu instead yeah. of the ty. The, yeah. <laughs> the little things, right? It's the oh, little things. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, what's coming up? Here we go. There's and now Elias has to work the counter, and yep. apparently this whole thing. It says here it was taken almost verbatim from Kevin Smith's diatribe in An Evening with Kevin Smith 2. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. The, you know, they walked, and yeah, yeah. the whole the, – the trees walked in that flick. <laughs> but it's <laughs> – it Yeah, the lines were taken directly from it, including the line, and just before the credits roll, Sam bricks in Frodo's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. If if you look back behind Elias, um, there's the employee of the month sign that uh, Randall had defaced with a couple uh, uh, stick ups again. Yeah. I guess um, Elias must have seen the the latest one because it's uh, no longer there. Must have. Yep. Oh yeah, he put it on right after they walked away. Yeah. He takes off the one, and then as they're walking away, Randall, Randall slips another, another one up. One. Yep. <laughs> Start with. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, you see, this is this is where uh, Randall's ire gets up. <laughs> exactly. I <laughs> see. You don't you don't want to piss Randall off because his his rapier wit will tear you apart. There is only one return, and it's not of the king. Yeah. <laughs> it's of the Jedi. <laughs> 
Oh, and uh, there's the, the rip on Hayden Christensen's the performance. Mannequin Skywalker. Which, yeah. you know what? I agree with that. I do agree with that. Hayden, I did not like Hayden Christensen. So I agree with that. I don't agree with everything because <laughs> I did enjoy the Lord of the Rings flicks and all. But I enjoy. There it is. I am the an, first movie. There's the first movie. Walk, walk, walk. Walk, walk, walk. walk. Here's the second movie. What's the second Walk, walk. walk. Stumble. Whoop, look out. There we go. And walk, and walk, walk. <laughs> And then the third movie. Walk, well, walk, 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 walk. Whoa. Here we are. Bloop. And drop it in. Bloop. I still and there's that walk one, back. The, the one internet meme. I think it was uh, had Boromir when uh, somebody goes. You just don't simply walk into uh, one. Doesn't simply walk into uh, Mordor. Mordor, and he goes. Well, just fly the eagles over. That's <laughs> been said numerous times. Yeah. Why were the eagles never mentioned in in the movies? No. Why were they never mentioned in the original story? But they're mentioned in the Hobbit. They're a big part of the Hobbit. They yeah. half the travel is done with the Eagles and the Hobbit. Yeah. But what? And then, but then the Eagles show up for the big fight at the end of Return of the uh, King. So they they were busy at the Battle of the the, the Black Gate. Yeah, the Eagles show up then. Yeah, they were busy. They, they were doing Eagle stuff. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> here's a little tidbit for you. That hair Jeff Anderson has. Yeah, it's not his. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, the back of it, it's all glued onto the hat. That doesn't surprise me. They do the same thing with Jay. Well, I don't know if it was, was it this movie? Or was it uh, Dogma? Jay had to wear some sort of prosthetic at, in one in one of the flicks. Hmm. <laughs> what you doing over Great there? Great hair. And, yeah, Sam bricks in his mouth. And... Cue the vomit. <laughs> and he's so proud of himself oh, because yeah. he just made a Lord of the Rings fan puke. <laughs> Where, do we have a mop in a bucket? <laughs> I want to get Elias to clean it up. <laughs> he doesn't even know where if we, we have cleaning one. products. <laughs> how, how does anybody keep a guy like that on the payroll? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it's got to be because of the entertainment factor. Oh, yeah. Well, see right there. There's the suspicion is laid for the. Oh, uh, he he kind of hinted that the suspicion was already there, but it's the fact that he walks in and the room smells funny yeah. of the nail polish. Yeah. I want to know how a guy a guy gets to be so good at doing nail polish, especially on toes, because I don't have the clean knack for it. My wife tries to get me to do it on the rare occasion, and I make a mess. So. <laughs> Never well, done. practice, 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 I guess. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> yeah, now here we got Becky ripping on uh, Dante's Dante. life choices. Yeah. Obviously, we, you know, knowing where things progress, you know that there's more behind it. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you can kind of see. I, I can just stare at her all the time. You know that? I that, like her. Yeah. I said. <laughs> Thinking maybe you should just fast forward to the dance scene on the roof, but and then rewind that over and over again. Yeah, that is a good dance scene. Yeah, <laughs> looking back now, huh? That's a very good dance yeah, scene. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so more exchange, and then so we're getting a little more. You can see the affection these two have for each other, and naturally, and you just kind of. 
you, you think maybe it's just kind of platonic at first. And then I think as the story progresses on, you kind of start to get the, aha, wait a minute, there's it's something the, more here. I think it's at the end of this this dialogue is, uh, well, that what, what's that make me? And Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, what's he say? I'm the I'm the girl who has sex with my coworker at work after the store's closed. Type yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. That's ha! The shoe drops. That, there it is. That's a big reveal right there. You just kind of whoa! All right. So, but like I said, the hints were there. You could kind of feel that chemistry. So the suspicions start started earlier. Yeah. You just don't know to the extent. There's a little foreshadowing of that envelope that she rushes to put away. Yeah. Yeah, that it it's it flows nice, and you've got uh, some some subplots here that everybody's nicely dealing with, and then said so they just keep. That's the thing, especially with these Smith movies, you gotta sit through a bunch of dialogue, 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 yeah. but. I and it's it's a nice break from other standard Hollywood flicks, you know. Well, this is where you get two lines of dialogue to explain something with no real substance to it. This you cannot call this a, a Hollywood flick. No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> you said trying to compare the two is like apples and oranges and Buicks, <laughs> pretty I much. Can't think of a single Hollywood movie that ever re- references donkey shows or asked about. Them. <laughs> um, quite possibly some of Joe Dapatel's stuff. Maybe. Well, okay, <laughs> maybe more recently. Yes. They, but I say, I say, honestly, Kevin opened the door for Apatow. Really, I would disagree. You have to look up Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. That's where the well, donkey. Well, show. yeah, that's where that's Randall where the got the show. idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's where Randall got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where that nonsense comes from. So, <laughs> so you just you have to blame Tom Hanks for this. Sure, yeah, blame Tom Hanks. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be hurt by it no, at all. No, <laughs> considering that uh, ba- the Bachelor or Bachelor Party, sorry, is uh, arguably considered a, a classic comedy for him. Oh. Yeah. It, it, well, not, not even time. arguably. It's definitely because he he was known as comedy back then. Yeah, it wasn't until what the nineties that he uh, took a shift in his acting. Mm-hmm. There was the man with one red shoe, big, big, big is like probably big. his most well known comedic. Yeah. You weren't going to say biggest. Why not? <laughs> Come on. No, I don't. I'm not playing the pun game. <laughs> it's not punny. <laughs> oh, what do you call fake spaghetti? I don't know. Impasta. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the non-movie madhouse and to the bad joke podcast. Uh, you know what? I'm oh. gonna I'm gonna apologize for Rob for that one. Sorry, folks. Um, no, no, no. That was good. Uh, Jen Schwalbach. Jen's back. Mrs. Hicks. Yeah, that her wearing that shirt all day. <laughs> is yeah. that? I don't. Is that just a little bit? Over possessive, really? (laughs) (laughs) That's That's my surprise. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Forgot to avert your Um, eyes. Muse's mangina. (laughs) (laughs) He took the whole Buffalo Bill thing to a whole nother level. Yeah. Oh, just. Oh, here we go. This is the the initial planning of the uh, going away party for Dante. Mm -hmm. So we've got. 
Elias comes across in this movie as almost being mentally challenged. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. He's, like, really pushing that borderline. Yeah. I don't know. It makes sense when he talks about the vagina troll. <laughs> Hello, pants. That's is that, right. Is that legitimate? You think that's real? Seriously. Is that an urban legend? Come on now. Not urban. Woman legend. I will say when this came out, though, um, uh, my, my buddy Taz, Sean Tasker, he uh, was big into WoW. And as soon as he saw this movie, he went and made a character named Pillow Pants. Nice. <laughs> and it was a troll. <laughs> Damn it. Now I want to do that. He was a, yeah, he was a troll shaman named Pillow Pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he never made another one named Lister Fiend, though. No. no, he didn't? Nope. Nope, he didn't make a Lister Fiend. Well, I'll do that one. <laughs> I got your troll. face. <laughs> just, just, don't you tell anybody. <laughs> Look this? at the just dead seriousness <laughs> on Randall's face. And the sheer terror on Elias' face. <laughs> <laughs> Can, I've never heard the explanation. Randall's shirt, and they reference it briefly. Ranger, Ranger Danger. Danger. What is, is that a legitimate thing? I know Kevin toyed with some a story about it or something, but was that actually like some comic book or something? I think or? it was a comic book. I I can't the Ranger recall. Danger and the Danger Rangers yeah. was the title that I always heard Kevin talking about. But is it a legitimate thing? I've never heard. Well, the hat that he's wearing, that uh, Randall's wearing, the Leonardo Reapers. That is the uh, one of the hockey teams in uh, Leonardo. Yes. Um, and there was, the uh, there's another Jersey when the Hitman or something, wasn't there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, but I've never heard an explanation of the Ranger danger thing. I should look that up. No, sometime. because it is prominently displayed well, yeah. through the entire movie. Cause uh, well, when Elias first shows up, he, he's talking about transformers. Yeah. Uh, the, the, Cause the transformers movies hadn't come out yet. What there was. The news that just broke that there was a live-action Transformers movie coming and how he was badass because his online handle is Optimus Prime. And yep. Optimus Prime could kick the crap out of Ranger Danger. Is Ranger Danger a thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Optimus Prime's real. I get that. But is Ranger Danger? Yeah. Dude, Optimus Prime isn't real. I'm sure he is. No. Uh, here yes. we go. Okay, so... Emma has surprised uh, Dante by having the car already packed up and ready to go to Florida. And And this is the most awkward part of the entire show right here. Yep. Where she presents Becky with her wedding invitation. And it would be so much, so much to us if you could come to Florida and watch (laughs) us get married. Wow. Just awkward. Just a little bit. With the foreshadowing of what's to come, yep. just a little bit. <laughs> and you can see the look on Dante's face that he knows it's awkward. Yeah, I think so. Like that, yeah, that would, that would be a tough thing to do. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that would be a very... Uh, Despite no, there's all no the way vulgarity, despite all the, the jam bob antics, despite all Randall's... Uh, for lack of a better term, evilness. This <laughs> yeah. movie has heart. Yes, it does. Yeah, it really pulls. There's a few different elements that do really pull at the heartstrings. Yep. Also, it has a moving camera. A moving camera, which was new. <laughs> which was like new for Kevin. <laughs> amazingly, uh, when you when you look when you go back to back, Clerks and Clerks Two, 
this is like when Clerks Two came out. This was the the epitome of uh, Smith's uh, filmmaking ability. Yep. Or let me just punch that mic stand right over there. There we go. So no, but he said he, this is the sum total of all his his uh, accrued knowledge of how to make a movie. And, and we already referenced it, but this is the scene. This is where Randall realizes he, that Elias is a virgin. Yep. Yep. And we're now about to hear the, the, the explanation the, of the legend. The legend. The legend of pillow pants. Pillow pants and Listerfiend. Don't forget Listerfiend. <laughs> That's right. They gotta have a mouth roll. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, Elias is. I hope that hope the donkey doesn't have a a, a butt troll. <laughs> it's just <laughs> so you guys are Kevin Smith nuts, <laughs> just a little bit. And you don't know Ranger Danger. No, I've never heard the full explanation of what Ranger Danger is. There's a little article I have up here online. Writer-director Kevin Smith has taken a lot of flack for shying away from some big-budget projects that have been dropped on his doorstep. Okay. By his own admission, he's never been comfortable with big visual films. Though now, it sounds like Smith is ready to break through the blockbuster barrier and push himself a little further. Speaking to MTV, Smith revealed that his 10th film will almost certainly be something called Ranger Danger and the Danger Rangers. He's currently hard at work on his much-anticipated sex comedy, Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Uh, and after that, he's doing a horror film called Red State. So you may want to, yeah, that was a but few years back. once both of these are out of the way, Ranger Danger is next, and it's a big-time science fiction flick. Yeah, he, he dropped that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what Ranger so, Danger is. So it was, strictly, it was strictly his creation then? Yep. Okay. See, I've never, ever heard the clear explanation of that. The shirt Randall so, has on is the shirt right here on the article. Yeah. All right. So it was foreshadowing to one of his future projects, and then... Uh, you know, it'd be interesting if he would actually would have actually done that, but... Well, I don't think he can. He, you know, he's afraid to, definitely. Well, he knows, he, he knows what he can't, he's capable of doing, and I, I just... Looking at his body of work, I just... I have to agree with him that I don't think... He should be afraid to do something like that because I just, I'm not, I don't want to. He took enough flack when he tried to go serious or at least in a more serious direction with uh, Jersey Girl. He -hmm. took so much flack for that because the hardcore of USQ fans didn't embrace it. But yet it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I found there was nothing wrong with Jersey Girl and it was actually a movie that I could a Smith movie I can sit down and watch with my wife, and she's not absolutely horrified exactly. about uh, what's going on. Exactly. So I, I I don't know how Jersey Girl got maligned so bad. Just because, okay, it was troperific the way, it, it again, it was very formulaic the way it worked out, just because you knew it was a love movie and like this. I just, I don't understand Oh, there we go, Jason Lee. Yes, Mr. Dowds. Ah, uh, Jason Lee, looking very much like Earl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this had to have been early, like early Earl days, wasn't it? Uh, 2006 was when this one was Right, made. so I think that was when Earl was really kicking off, I think. Oh, yeah, I but here. it's, yeah, he, to me, he, he looks just like Earl. Yeah, well, well he's, he's definitely at the height of his douche I realize it's the same guy, but... Yeah. Just his look, the whole half-shaven, got the thick mustache. That's no, Earl. 
Originally, uh, Matt Damon was supposed to play that role. Really? Yeah, but Damon was filming Good Shepherd and couldn't make it, so Jason Lee took over the role during a day off from his show, My Name is Earl. Okay. Oh. So that's why he was he had to stick to the Earl look. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I always wish that we would have gotten a little bit more of him in this flick at some point. Just to get some more depth out of him? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm not quite sure how and... Almost like, you know, I wanted to see Randall get a shot on him, well, you know, in I, some way. See, this, I think they said doubt is set up to be the foil for for Randall. This is this is Randall's, like, Randall's taking his shots here as best he can. And doubt like, has, has got so much success, it just, it doesn't affect him. And yeah. that's what pisses Randall off the most. It does affect him, the whole, the pickle story. Oh. It, it does, that does sting him, it, but he's still ahead in the game. Exactly. You exactly. know, he's a multimillionaire. He's ahead of the game. Yep. And, and the fact that Elias kind of latches on to him, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that just pisses Randall off even more. Yep. <laughs> he's mesmerized. Like that. He just, Elias just... Just shouldered uh, Randall out of the way. He's mesmerized. There it is. Yeah, back in your place, monkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cobot reference. Thank you. Outside of Robot Chicken, you, no one references Gobots. Nope. Ever. Nope. <laughs> that, and that's his the reference that the Gobots is the Kmart of Transformers. That is there. There is no more accurate. Analogy. No, (laughs) spot on. You know, you have a Transformers toy. I remember I had a couple Transformers and I had some GoBots. And the Transformers, you had to move like 15 pieces to make it transform. GoBots, you move three. Yeah. (laughs) You see that little bit there? Yeah. That's not directed by Kevin Smith. No. The the little montage there? Yep. Uh Who did that? That was directed by Jason Mewes. Really? Yep. And he said he's never... Oh, no. He has been directing some web stuff. He's been directing a web series called Vigilante Diaries. And he's directed a couple music videos. Yeah. So this is technically was his first directing gig. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) He's been lying to us. Yeah. Thunk. A heroin and pill addict would lie. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he gives the food to Jay and Bob. Mm-hmm. So Jay just made his own meal, basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and there it is. This is uh, Dowd's exit and fire parting shots. Oh, yeah. Yep, so Ooh, Dowd, Dowd gets, his, gets over on Randall. and Randall does not like getting one over. No, he's... Uh, He's not used to being. Um, He's the attacker, not of the attacky. Yeah, that's it. He can dish it out, can't take it. No, he definitely cannot take it. I said, I like the. Um, what's it, the this, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the the urinal ice in the in the drink. Ah, doesn't that taste like piss and flies? <laughs> I think that was the line. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just the random go kart scene. Yep. <laughs> Well, this is where they're playing uh, uh, Burt Baccarat, too, Raindrops or something. Yep. So uh, this is a nice, uh, nice mellow uh, centering for uh, Randall, or Randall here. you uh, got to admit, it'd be a great, a great fun scene to shoot. Oh, yeah. So just get a bunch of people onto a go-kart track and just have fun. Just keep going. 
Well, it's, one of, yeah. it's one of the few times you actually see Randall smiling, I think. Yeah, when he's not these two guys, but no. The, <laughs> yeah, he's he's right now in his absolute happiest moment behind the wheel of these go-karts and he couldn't he doesn't have a care in the world. He's out out in the head of everybody and do you know where it was filmed? Nope. Industry California. Really? You can tell if you look in the background, it's all desert. Oh, <laughs> that's a hell of a car. So ride. it must have been like an add-on thing they decided to throw in. Probably. That's what it. That that's what that makes me think of. Like he didn't know quite what he was going to yeah, do see with all it. The grass. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Way back in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, because you look at yeah, you, see, you go from a desert scene to a nice fall city or landscape, and something's uh some screwy timelines going on here. Now they try to explain why does the go kart center you? Because <laughs> I can't jerk off at work. <laughs> yeah, just, just some of those lines right there. It just. <laughs> but that's. I think that's the biggest appeal and why Kevin is so popular with like guy crowds and the the younger crowds and whatnot is because his dialogue is the conversations that you have with your friends when you're sitting around having a few beers. Exactly. You, you debate the whole the ass to mouth and you yeah. debate the jerking off at work. You, you have those conversations. You may yep. not want to admit it publicly, <laughs> but you do end up having those conversations at oh, some yeah. point. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This is that. I get, yeah. It, it's, it's the every man conversation. I think, um, We've all, like I said, I, I know I worked in a couple of convenience stores when I was growing up. And, like, when Clerks dropped, I went, damn, he made a movie just for me. And yep. they said it just, it struck such a familiar chord all the way through. And now, like. Uh, I never watched Clerks until after Mallrats had come out. I watched really? Mallrats first. And then I saw Clerks. How'd you get Mallrats? I. I. I can't remember the reasoning. I know Mallrats came out, and it was by the guys who did Clerks. And so I rented Mallrats, loved Mallrats, because it was so different. Yeah. So then I tracked down Clerks. And Clerks is a different animal from Mallrats, really. Oh, Wanda Sykes and uh, Earthquake. Earthquake. That's the name of uh, her husband. Really? Yep. His name is Earthquake? Yep. That's what it's credited as. Really? Yep. I like Wanda Sykes, though. Oh, yeah. Especially. This this exchange coming up is just. That's pushing the envelope oh, for yeah. Kevin. Yeah. That's, Kevin doesn't usually like to go those routes. No. But I said, I like how they're getting crushed by four people in that the guy in the pink shirt at the back was already there earlier. Was he really? Yeah, but he was uh, sitting at one of the tables. Went uh, at oh, the, with that other guy. With the other guy. Oh, yep. So were they just hanging out there all day, like Jay and Bob? They must. <laughs> this must be the that version of Jay and Bob. Like I said, I don't know how they're going to get buried by four people. And it does seem odd. Yeah, that tells you Elias's abilities in, in the kitchen. Well, you just had to see that basket of fries. That were I think they're done. <laughs> charred, charred <laughs> black. <laughs> Yeah, but with what's coming up, Kevin doesn't like to touch into the race game. But he well, he jump. He's always careful to not to do anything like that. Yeah, but he jump into that pool with both feet, <laughs> both with, feet uh, coming up. Oh, it's just. And I've never heard the term. 
I've heard, I've heard of the term before. Until this movie, I had never, ever heard that term. Oh, I've heard of it. I am. I had never. But that, as I recall, doesn't Randall even realize later that his grandma was racist? Oh, yeah. Well, it said <laughs> af, after that, they said he he rattles off this uh, this list of uh, racial racist terms. Boom. There it is. Bam. <laughs> it's just like. But it's, it's Wanda Sykes. Her delivery and the way she reacts, her reaction, and the husband, and she's, "You're lucky, my husband doesn't go up, even though it's he's holding her back." <laughs> and she touches him. He's like, "You know, you can't be touching me. The, the judge told you you're anger management." <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, the husband's holding her, and you're lucky, my husband ain't jumping across that table. <laughs> Said I like Dante. He's like, just can't. Here's your food. Yep, and he wants to take the food so bad. Yep. Uh, go, go, please, please, take the here's your money. Take your food. No, and now she's you can't the taste water. racism. You can't taste racism. <laughs> and nope, he still can't take the food. Nope. And now he's pissed. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> oh, imagine if it would have been Ron Simmons. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so I like how everything just just come to a screeching halt as they're dealing with uh, Randall right here and those two customers that yeah, are, that a, were behind in the back of the line. Don't worry, they're still there for a second. Yeah, for a, few, a minute, another minute or so, and then but, oh, okay, better leave. Yeah, I, that's what they do. They just kind of disappear. Elias has his headphones unplugged. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he he's playing with the plug. <laughs> There could be somebody at the drive-thru right now, and they're never going to know. Worst fast food joint ever. Yeah. <laughs> can complain all you want about the service at any place around here, but I guarantee you they got you beat. Mm, yep, I think so. <laughs> oh. See, I think right here, I think um, Dante hit the nail on the head when he was asking him if he, if he was trying to get fired. Because, like, I think subconsciously he knew. Oh, there they are. There they are. are. See? All right. All right. (laughs) So, but I I do think that he was subconsciously trying to get fired because he knew that uh, Elias, every time he hits the screen, it's just his physical comedy is funny. But, yeah, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) And. Now he starts, he rambles off every friggin' black racial slur. Oh, it's just, it's just some brutal, brutal dialogue here. And again, he doesn't flinch. No, no. He just, he can deliver it without flinching. Yeah, there it is. There's the moment of reflection. Now, knowing <laughs> that reaction from O'Halloran. <laughs> Because because there are separate screens, you don't know if like you're obviously knowing the behind like how cameras work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Odds are he wasn't there, right? So if they if you if they would have had one solid shot of both of them, oh, to see if if O'Halloran did break, O'Halloran would have broke. Oh, that's what I mean. You don't see the outtakes. That, this is probably take thirty-seven. <laughs> I, can you imagine outtakes from these flicks? Oh, any of Kevin's movies? Well, that would be four hours worth of outtakes. Just uh, gimme. Oh yeah, <laughs> gimme. Uh, I'll make a couple meals. I'll stay for the day. <laughs> yeah, now he's trying to take trying porch, to take... torch monkey back. Oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> impossible. Oh, there's and here's 
Becky lamenting on the wedding invitation. Yep. Emma Bunting to Dante Hicks. Well, Schwabach was originally born in Florida, so that's the connection to why they're going to Florida. So that's uh, okay. That's that's a little send up to her family. Yeah. Type thing. Okay. Not only that, she hates New Jersey. Oh yeah, personally. Yeah. And if you look at that cake, it says uh, what is it? Uh, Florida forever, New Jersey never. Yep. And is that what it said? Yeah. And the I NJ has got like the circle with the line through it. <laughs> oh. That's on the cake. Oh, here we go. This is coming up to the dance scene. <laughs> the, you don't expect a crowd dance scene <laughs> and a Kevin flick. And in a crane shot, too. Yeah. That, so, yeah, that dance comes right out of nowhere. Yeah. Where well, do all those people come from? Well, that's, that, that's, that's the fun part about have, that. Have you guys... There are oh. more extras in the dance scene than there are extras actually in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Someone's calling you, dude. I know. And I can't get to the phone. We got our first caller. Got it. Oh, caller. <laughs> Here on the air. <laughs> first time caller. Uh, long time, long, time oh, listener. Katie, long short um, time listener. Have you guys ever seen Kung, uh, Kung uh, Shaolin soccer? That's nothing like Kung Fu. What? Well, uh, well no, <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle is another one, by the way. Oh, okay. But it's no, Shaolin soccer. Okay. It's a Stephen Chow. He's the lead in it. It is exactly as it sounds. It's kung fu, and then they start playing soccer. Oh, it's a really, it's a funny, weird movie. Okay, okay. And, but I, it's it's it is a favorite of mine. I've watched it. I don't know how many times. It is. It's just really silly kung fu, and then they start playing soccer. It's got a random dance scene in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering where it, this was going. It, so was I. It's like it, just it, randomly <laughs> throwing out information. It had this random dance scene, and it's very similar to the random dance scene in this. It's. Random it comes out of nowhere. Oh, all right. He's trying to uh, he's trying to not really impress a girl, but trying to show that she is special or whatever. And he starts singing and dancing, and then the whole crowd starts backing him up, <laughs> just <laughs> randomly. Like it, there's something about random dance scenes. There, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, that was the most cringeworthy. Uh, you know, want to get on the dance floor and be able to bust a move. <laughs> bust a move. Bust a move. Come that on. tells you Kevin's a fan of the uh, old hip hop. Oh yeah, He's gonna bust the move. There it is. Hey, twelve step. Jay <laughs> <laughs> looks up. Lord, he got to wonder here, was that there. her pet name for him on set? Maybe, and they just threw it in there. No. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna yeah. crack it up. Fine. Oh yes, Jay's Joe. lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I got the boombox. <laughs> Kevin says so much without saying a word. Oh yeah, he's a great <laughs> physical actor. And then when he does get his obligatory wine, let's <laughs> uh, <laughs> not. I don't want to spoil that. See, that that's just priceless. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the little fog machine in the uh, the abandoned uh, rooftop machine. Yeah, right wasn't there. this uh, an was, old closed down Burger King? Yeah, it was an abandoned <laughs> restaurant that they found in the. Uh, they uh, got it and fixed it up to be movies. Do you guys notice the uh, playground equipment yet? Yeah. What about it? You didn't see what it looks like? <laughs> I didn't notice. 
Something less demonic, please. <laughs> well, it is a dance tune. Well, yeah. Moshing is a dance, isn't it? Well, uh, not. Crappy boombox. One, uh, two, two, three, four. four. There, there you, you go. go. Four the fact that it's a boombox in 2006 and they were able to, able to get to do that. Why would impressive. Jay and Silent Bob have the Jacksons? Why not? Probably because they couldn't get the rights to Morris Day in the time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, the best part of the movie's on. We're now right going to have now. three minutes of silence <laughs> while we watch bouncing, dancing. <laughs> no, you had it right the first time. Column A, column B. Like you, you do suck, sit down. Watch <laughs> yep. me dance. Well, I could do that all day long. Oh, yeah. Oh, people. This is this is well worth the price of a DVD Blu-ray right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And you can just... That whole slow zoom in yep. as he's looking fondly says so much. Oh, he's absolutely in love with this girl. He's absolutely in love with her. I don't blame him. And he's just he just realized how much in love with her she he really is. I'm in lust with her. Does that count? Well, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Elias. Elias Even Elias is feeling it. it. Yep. Randall's into it. <laughs> Just one little head bob. And <laughs> Some guy. I wonder if that's um, that could have been Johnson. No. no? Um, or, uh, Malcolm. Or, yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm. I th- it might have been Malcolm. Oh. <laughs> About the worm by Muse. And the robot by Kevin. And the plumber by <laughs> another that guy butt in the shot. Oh, there's our uh, pretty in, not our Breakfast Club uh, yep. reference. Yep. So hot. Yeah, so is Rosario. <laughs> oh look now he can dance yeah, imagine that <laughs> nice ponytails just, I never tails. understood what's the big deals all about see the thing of it it's is it's the lead into the dance number no. <laughs> the um, the pigtail things uh, if you Kevin has and a thing for seeing his wife in pigtails so every time she's on the screen in his movie, he has her in pigtails. <laughs> but not in this movie. Uh, no, sort of, kind of. She's wearing her hair down. It's all straight. No, no, no. But at the very, when she walks in at the end. At the end, yes. She, yeah. They have them up in buns. Pay attention to the playground in the background. Hopefully it's not too late. It's probably too late. I believe that hotel right back in the background there is where they were staying. I love you, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Funk. What? What? Oh, bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 crap. <laughs> I dropped you. Porch monkey for life. What a uh, shirt. Oh, Randall. Well, I don't know if it's coming up again, but uh, if you look at the slide out there. Okay. And then it has two little things on either side of it. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 they have it specially made. They did. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, that really isn't that much of a surprise. No, not really. No, phallic symbols, why not? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think uh, this is where Dante kind of, 
he's he's it, kind of fessing up to Randall. Whoop. Whoa, boom. <laughs> the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> Poor Jay here. <laughs> trying to take a piss. I'm still trying to figure out why Bob is standing silent Bob is standing so close to Jay while he's trying to take a piss here. Because they're always he's always by sound. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe both times Jay just says, What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That here's the. Uh, <laughs> she got pregnant off the toilet seat. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, right here's the big uh, confrontation between Dante and Randall about about Becky being pregnant. But he can't say nothing. Don't say nothing. No, don't say nothing. <laughs> oh. See, look at this dolly shot that he's got going on here too. It just keeps revolving, revolving. Whoop. Sign up. Bob's getting in on the. Uh, Finding it interesting. Yeah, Jay still has performance anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because every 12 seconds the door slams open into him. <laughs> yeah. Becky doesn't want anyone to know. <laughs> but yet you told him. <laughs> I know. He's probably like the absolute worst person to tell about. Hey, keep it a secret. Yeah, think. Oh. I mean it, Randall. <laughs> and here Whoa. we go. <clears throat> Bam! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and Jay's down again. Oh, she's pissed. And she's nice and shiny, too. Randall, your first May child be a masculine child. child. <laughs> oh, wrong thing to say. <laughs> and. Bam! Oh, missed. That was one of the worst punches I've ever seen in a no movie. No kidding. <laughs> Randall didn't even really duck me nope. yet. He says, you ducked. Because <laughs> you swung at me. <laughs> you ducked. It's because you swung at me. I didn't catch. <laughs> what does that sign say? I don't know. I don't, I, you know what? I've got to do it. Okay. i got to back up. Yep. I need to see what the oh, sign is. Elias on. is in dire straits. Becky is now taking off because she is absolutely pissed that her uh, secret is out. All right. Yeah, there you go. Boy. Okay. Yeah. And I wonder if Jay gets smashed by the door again there. No. Yeah. Oh, porch monkey for life. Oh, <laughs> oh there we go. And so obviously Randall has the. Yep. He's trying to. Take oh. oh, porch monkey in training. Uh, okay. So porch monkey in training. <laughs> Rand Randall has placed that on Elias's oh, back, you think? obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Elias is in dire straits here. What is that in his hand? <laughs> that looks spatula. like a spatula and random. Looks like a food. tomato and. Yeah. Are you gonna see it? Are you gonna see it? Yep, there's a slide. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> now, did they use the same movies set for um, Dogma? Uh. I don't believe so because they found this set for this movie. Yeah. Okay. Ah, right, there we go. That is uh -oh. Kinky Kelly and the sexy stud just uh, they have arrived. Have arrived. Cool. Go follow her. Come back in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing suspicious there. No. <laughs> you love her. Go find her. Uh, get out of here. Look at that slide. You can see it so clearly right there. <laughs> go on. Go on. Go on. Get. <laughs> Whew, see it. <laughs> That's not 
the no, that's not the same car that O'Halloran drives in Vulgar, is it? I don't think so. Now, this is Zach Newton. He's one of the uh, production uh, part of the production company. Okay. So he got kind of railroaded into doing <laughs> doing this one. They this, have an this. interview with him on the bonus mm-hmm. parts. Uh, it's like a nine minute segment. It says the making of sexy stud or something like that. Okay. <laughs> Kevin called him up and said, I've, "I wrote a part for you in the movie." He goes, okay, well, what is it? He goes, no, 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 you got to read it. <laughs> so, he starts to read it, and he gets up to the Lord of the Rings Star Wars thing, and he's going, okay, maybe it's the geek dude, but no, no, I'm more of a biker-looking fella, right? right. Yep. Could be Elias, but no, I'm a little more steady on my feet. And he goes, then he got up to uh, them looking for the donkey show. And he goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently on page 80 is where this guy comes in. And he said, yep, that's when I knew exactly what role I had in mind. It's called interspecies erotica. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Not bestiality, fucko. (laughs) How did it get dark so fast? Well, that's one of the questions I was also wondering. Because... Or because it did do a jump cut, we don't know exactly how long. It's more than an hour. I'm sorry, that sun was up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, maybe things are a little bit different in Jersey because when they were driving to work in the morning, it was like noon. And remember, it's Jersey. There's a lot of chemicals in the air out there. That's true, too. Poor lives has been left alone. See, they're kind of like pigtails. That actually, that to me, it always looked more like a Leia look. Yeah, yeah. Princess Leia buns yep. and dancing. More Muse dancing. <laughs> the only thing that bothers me about this little montage is the song because I do not like this song. I've never liked this song. No. Tonight, tonight by the what's the name? Damn it, I can't think of the name now. Uh, Billy Corgan. Oh, Smashing Pumpkins. pumpkins. Yeah. Well, oh, no, this is 1979. So 1975, yes. Nine. 1979? Yep. Yeah, this is this is the hot song of the uh I know, but I time, I so. never No, not but the it, time. But it kind of fit the uh It was the 90s. Mood. Okay, right here this little this girl peeking out the window? Ah, yes. Harley Quinn Smith. Yes it is. I you know what? I knew that the first time I watched the movie. And I'd never seen her before, but I just I had that suspicion. Yeah. And this is her third role. Yeah, she was yep. in Jersey Girl, too, wasn't she? Yep. She was in Jersey Girl, and she was in Jane, Son of Bob, Strike Back. Yipper. She plays the young Kevin Smith. <laughs> That's she is, right. plays the young Son of Bob. Baby yeah. Silent Bob. Yep. So she getting... definitely looks a lot different now, though. Oh, yeah. She's turned more into her yeah, mother. Yeah, she, she definitely turned into you a, a Schwabach of the over a Movies Dante, is on fire. Not again. again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Which was, uh, well, I, because it didn't get mentioned, Randall left the coffee pot on at the quick stop. Yep, <laughs> That's what, where that the fire made. came from. That's what caused the fire. I left the, fire, the coffee pot on again, didn't I? Yeah. Bunch of theatrical smoke has now filled up the movies. There's a stage and a disco ball. What I don't understand is how they can be in there, and he comes walking in, nobody coughs. And I'd be afraid if I walked in and I saw a can of Crisco <laughs> hanging on a chain. <laughs> Elias is... He's hammered. Done. <laughs> Two joints. Bam! Down again. 
Oh, this is such this this scene right here is just so much. <laughs> just such a callback to bachelor party. Yeah, <laughs> just. Uh, the introduction. You would think there'd be people looking in the windows at this point because of the smoke coming out. Yeah. And whatnot. Unless, unless it's... It's that low traffic of a neighborhood. Yes, so. Well, it, it looked like there was only maybe six people total in the restaurant all day. Yeah, true. But they, they got hammered. They were slammed, <laughs> remember, with four people. And this actually is Zach Newton. It's not his first Kevin Smith role. No? He was in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. He was, uh, I'm trying to picture. Trying no, to picture. don't try and picture him because he was a voice. Oh, okay. No. He was the voice of the clit. Oh, yes. <laughs> the clit commander? Yep. <laughs> that was him. And then he's in Zack and Mary, too. Holy crap, he's in Fanboys. Is he the guy that comes out of the bathroom with Jay? Sweet and womanly, right? That might be it, yes. <laughs> Could be. Oh, crap. Now i got to watch it again. Uh, this is the sexiest dance. <laughs> With a donkey I've With ever the seen. Donkey. The donkey's got a mask on. I would consider actually dressing as the sexy stud for one of my Halloween parties, oh, but nobody would get that reference. Less no. clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's Whoa. more clothes than what I was wearing this yes. year, man. Actually, they did a little chat with him. It was him talking with Rosario. And he says, I think I've got less clothes on than you did in Sin City. <laughs> That's true, actually. Oh. She was, might have been wearing chaps and whatnot, but he's wearing less up top. Elias into it. <laughs> <laughs> and movie magic, too. That donkey is not Kinky Kelly. No? no. The donkey's name is Asphalt. Asphalt. And it's a girl. It is a girl. It is a girl. Okay. Plays a boy in this movie, but it is a girl. Yeah. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You think the, uh, uh, you know what? Damn good acting. Being yes. able to play a male part <laughs> by, by a female donkey. Yeah, it should definitely win a donkey Oscar. That's a whole new category. Yep. I'm the sexy stud. <laughs> <laughs> he may have been leery about the I part, but he really dives into it, doesn't he? Randall chucked under the... <laughs> Kelly could be a guy's name, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, right into it. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm in. <laughs> Went in Rome. <laughs> can't argue the logic. No. <laughs> I can't remember what he's, the, what exactly he says there due to a, I think it was a grammatical error. Grammatical error, yeah. <laughs> All right, who's going to blow the, ah, <laughs> down periscope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Larry's Elias. I have a, a huge, huge boner, boner right now. <laughs> and oh, uh, there God. it is. <laughs> Her line is awesome. <laughs> right here. Uh, I'm disgusted and repulsed, and I can't, can't look, look away. away. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> 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 you know, like, she can't stop looking in there. No. He wants to have this heartfelt conversation. She just wants to get back in there. <laughs> yeah, this is every, everybody's coming clean right now, and yeah. So that Dante, he said Dante's trying to get her to admit the the 
Because she does not believe alone. in real in real love. Yeah. Yeah. There's As no monogamous said. relationships. Oh. Uh, wipes his chin. <laughs> I guess the show's over. Nope. I don't no, think so. Don't think it ain't so, over. Sir. And now, okay, uh, this is the probably the one thing that disturbs me the most. And this is, it's because of something similar to this that I've never seen Brokeback Mountain. When you know what he's about to do. <laughs> And he spits on his hands. See, that, to that, me, is dis- is disturbing. Okay, they talked to him about that, and they said they talked to Newton about that. And Kevin goes, "Okay, you got to spit in your hand." And so he he drinks, and Kevin goes, "You got to make it as gross as you can." So Zach is drinking coffee and orange juice to kind of get a, a nice combination. <laughs> I never realized the, he was looking at her when he did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there it is. There's the admission. Watching the donkey show. See, a do- donkey shows can just bring out your your true feelings. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing that brings a family together. That's the most awkward kiss. It, it does seem like it does. Yeah, it said she just doesn't look like she's ready. No, because she wants to look at the donkey shell. Yeah. The whole reason she's there. Yeah. You think uh, confessionals oh, would work better if they oh, had a donkey oh, show oh, there? Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> well, Jay's lines, what, what kind of sick fucking get turned on by a donkey show and they show Elias? Oh, no. Emma just walked up. Here comes Zach's best line. Oh, no. Jay goes, nope. I got to get on this. <laughs> Where is it? Right. Ooh, cake. Ooh, cake. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did that. They, they, they ad-libbed a whole bunch of those lines where he's doing that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're... Kevin's behind the camera. He's calling out lines for uh, Zach to say, and they improv a whole bunch of those. You know, I, you know, there had to be an outtake then where he says, oh, what a lovely tea party. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sorry, baby, but it's just not going to happen. Jeez. Wham! Oh, bam! <laughs> Down he goes. And you so know, helpful. Here, there's there's this. This. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you know, and there's another sign of a little bit of originality on Kevin's part because traditionally, usually it's just a punch. No, he just goes no. for the jewels. Well, listen, <laughs> nine times out of ten, it would have been the the jilted girl would just have cried and ran out. They said, there's no way Schwabach was going no. to do the typical... Uh, Jen, Jen does not want to play the typical no, girl in any way. No, no. she uh, she was definitely, uh, I think, calling the shots on that one. And now the authorities have arrived, be- yep. arrived because oh. Dr. forgot that he called 911. Yep. Not again. Got to finish. <laughs> Cops are here. I'm holding and I'm on probation. <laughs> at least... Uh, at least uh, the sexy stud has his priorities. Nope. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and that large black oh, police okay. officer saw the shirt. Elias <laughs> 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 and his what would Jesus do underwear? Uh, pants down around his ankles. And <laughs> what I don't understand. 
is why is he why is he asleep like that? That's like the most uncomfortable sleeping position. Because he's still drunk and high. And what's with the the opening doors like for the individual cells? Yeah. I don't know. That's probably just the uh, New Jersey way. Uh, maybe. Yeah, they go in and out so often, you know. Yeah. They only use that to isolate, I guess. Yeah. This is where it's as this scene progresses is where I start to get choked up. Yeah, this is the the admission of love that Randall and Dante have for each other. And it, it finally comes out. And this is where Randall or I mean Dante fully explodes. Yep. That was the worst choke ever. He was on his collarbones. I don't know if he was trying to kill him or straight. Yeah, it was shirt. a theatrical choke. Yeah. I miss my donkey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he seems so forlorn when he uh, when he says that line. But <laughs> that little. <laughs> but I. I miss my donkey. But he, he, you've seen three <laughs> different sides of him. Oh, absolutely. Because when he first starts, he's he's like serious badass. Yep. You know, and then, then you see his sexy stud mode. Yep. And now you see him there where he's he's playful about it because he knows that it's it's no big deal. Yep. But well, I think that, and then you see his downtrodden. Yeah. That the the third part is the uh, everything stripped away, and that's what he really is. Just a man that loves his donkey. Love is love. Yep. <laughs> oh, I can't agree. Believe I agreed to that. <laughs> Pretty damn quick, too. <laughs> uh, it's a sickness medication. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Let's see. Oh, hey, this is interesting. Oh, Uh-oh. okay. Remember the cop that came in there at the very end? And yeah. Yep. Saw the thing. He did a voice for a movie called uh, Batman versus Dracula. I remember that. Oh, yeah? Flick. yeah it's and he was the voice of the Joker. Yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. Huh. That's and, something. Uh, he was also in a TV series called Danger Rangers. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It was after Clerks 2, so this is probably the predecessor of the cartoon was what uh, Kevin was going to turn into that movie. Oh. <laughs> cool. Interesting. And I like him. He did the voice for a couple Skylanders. That video game? <laughs> Skylanders. That's right. <laughs> he was Tree Rex. You know. Oh, well, you're looking it up right now. So that's what. No, I just remembered. Yeah. No. I got it all <laughs> That I don't head. doubt. So here we have everything. This is, this is it. Everything has now come to a head. Dante is just... He's spewing. He's spewing. Oh, how, how bad, how bad he feels about his life. How he's not never done anything. Yep. How Randall seems to think he's got it all under control, but yet he ain't doing anything. Yep. And that just cut Randall, just cut Randall's heart out. Yep. Yeah, because he like that that look on his face right there is just like heartbreak. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, this this is this is two best friends probably since forever. Like I'm, I'm trying to would trying to figure out 
at what point in uh, Kevin's career that him and, and uh, Johnson would have a conversation like this? Like, is it when Kevin went out to California? That would be my guess. That's That would seem the impetus of this. Uh, when Kevin embraced getting to, going to Hollywood. Yeah. And Brian did not want to go. No. And even the parallels, like we knowing that he based these characters on him and Brian, the fact that talk about, well, we went to, we went to community college. We took criminology. Yeah. Him and Brian really did. They were going to become, they wanted to become Batman. superheroes. Yeah. They wanted to be Batman. And that, they even say that right here. They said, we went to Brookdale. We took criminology. What were going to be Batman? Yep. So. And that's, that's based on fact. Yeah. Well, they did that too. They said, they, "What did uh, they call themselves? The Lord uh, or Justice, the Justice League? Not Justice League. They had some name for themselves. Yeah, and they something would, about justice. Yeah, they would actually stand on the rooftops of buildings in Jew, in Red Bank and patrol. <laughs> they would actually do that. Uh, Smith and Johnson. I just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Here's some dedication to the uh, craft." <laughs> just go ahead and fuck already. <laughs> and here's where why guys why can't you guys ever say anything useful? Yep. And now's your turn. Here comes the obligatory silent bob line. Uh, uh, yeah, I got nothing. No, I got nothing. Nope. I got nothing. And he really does always seem to have those left field kind of moments. Nope, not this time. Yeah, here it is right here. This is now every now every once in a while you you get a good uh, Silent Bob and Jay eruption Mm -hmm. between the two of them because you get that one in. Oh, crap, what was it? Jan, Jan, Bob? No. Uh, the car! The back of the car! The, that too, and <laughs> I was also thinking of uh, Chasing Amy when they're in the diner with uh, Affleck. Yep. And that, that was a good uh, explosion by Sign Up Bob as well. Yep. They actually have a part cut out of this a little bit coming up. Oh, really? Wendy says that we should buy the Quickie Mart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's not a poo. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Quick. Quick stop. There quick we go. Stop. But uh, Jay and Bob say, "Yeah, well, we've got the money." Yep. The there was a bit more to that scene where they referenced the fact that the, the money is from their movie. Okay. Oh, okay. Which leads back to uh, Jay strikes and back. Bob strikes back. Yeah. Yep. That makes me wonder if there was was it totally cut out of the flick or is it only found in like the unrated version? Because I seem, for some reason, I picture that. On, like I've seen that on the Netflix version. It is cut out. They just okay. talk about the. Uh, it just has Jay goes. Uh, well, we got the money. We got the money. Yeah. But I've, for some reason, I'm thinking I've seen that. So I'm thinking the unrated version. Maybe. Well, wait, no, mine's unrated. I watched it today, and it's not on there. It's not in there. No. Okay. So it must be a, a deleted I, scene or something. For some reason, I thought I've seen it. Right here. Yep. Yep, we got it. I like the conditions. Yeah. (laughs) Jay, Jay, simple. He's not a master negotiator. First condition, they can hang out up front anytime they want. And you can't call the cops. cops (laughs) 
and then two, you have to blow each other. <laughs> and we get the then watch. Then go ass the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, dude. All right, just the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you think? But if they've got the money, why did they end up going to get a loan? I think they had. I think it was probably startup money. Okay. Like Jay, Jay probably they wouldn't give him the whole shooting match, but they probably gave him enough to, to get start started. Up. Okay. And then when they go to the bank, they say, "Look, we got we got this this much, and we need this much more. We got to rebuild. Yeah, get it and rebuild it. Yeah." There is a, a bit coming up later, and there's another little story, but I'll wait until that scene actually comes up. So it See, is. I like I liked um, Dante there. He he was buying it, but he still can't. And then you could see that part where he 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 didn't have the. I don't know. Like I said, he He's had afraid that to moment, pull the trigger. Yeah, that moment of self doubt, and, and then that's where I all feel went for him because I'm like that. I you know when it comes to certain. Serious, important things. I can't. I'm very indecisive and can't seem to put, want to pull the trigger. Like the decision to go to school, that was a big decision. I I really was leery on doing it and whatnot. You know, yeah. I really feel for that moment. Decision well, to write a script. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, see that that's the thing. I think we all, everybody, has that that moment of doubt when it comes to something monumental in their life. Well, and then even after you've made that decision, for the little next little while, you're thinking, was it right? Was it right? Yep. Was it right? Yep. And this little boop. There it is. Here, hey. Five ninety-five. Oh, a ring. Hey. Mm, looks like it's worth about ten bucks at least. <laughs> Two happy meals. So, so and a cow tipper. <laughs> yes. Dante gives uh, Becky a ring through the drive-through window and. He starts to say, "I'm sorry it took so long." Yeah, and she seems to accept by crawling through the window into his car. <laughs> Duke's a hazard stop. Yeah. Now, I wonder if this kiss is a little more... See, that first kiss was really awkward. Yeah. Now, see, I think this one has a little more... Yeah, it's got a little yeah. more oomph to it. Yeah, more but there was that. no donkey show to distract her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I said I can't really call that the first kiss at the donkey show because they banged on the, the food prep table. Elias, another one well, yeah, Elias, to rule them all. Yeah. <laughs> Just always goes back to that. Third There's bank of Leonardo. And Randall looks like looks surprised that it's actually all right. <laughs> <laughs> they gave us money. Yeah, they are opening the doors of their new store. Now it's uh, now right it's, here. Now they're they're doing the cleanup process. Yeah, the clean and out montage. While they were filming this stuff here and this bit right here, where they're up on the rooftop, yep. cutting the two by four. You can find it actually on the Smod Smodcast uh, YouTube channel. They decided to play a joke on Kevin. They. Had, and they had let everyone that needed to know was involved. They're starting to film it. Yep. And they play up that Anderson cuts himself with the saw. <laughs> the, they have the, the the paramedic on site and whatnot. He's in on it. And almost everybody's involved except for Kevin. <laughs> and he's freaking out. 
And then, oh, gotcha. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> said, Eli- Elias just got hired on at RST. Like, Randall's like, no. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Donna's like, come on. See, this This is right here. This is a perfect callback. This, the sign that they hang. That I assure you, we're reopen. Got nails, the uh, nail cigarettes. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then I think it's after this is the... Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back reference. Under new management. Right, right here. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right, nice wall. There's our wall. There it is. Justice, true love true forever. Forever, yep. <laughs> Waiting for her to get out. Yep. Be right back. Where does he go to get the boombox, though? Magic. <laughs> Silent Bob is absolutely magic. It's the trench. There's joke. no tape in there either. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Buffalo Bill. <laughs> and the chapstick. They rebuild- Walter Flanagan. Hello, Waltz. Back of smokes. Nails, of course. Nails. <laughs> <laughs> so. They rebuild the store so much that it looks identical. Absolutely. <laughs> All the signage, everything is yep. identical. Big, There's a big Mike uh, beef jerky there. <laughs> and I guess this last shot had been planned bef- like before even uh, Jay and Son and Bob wrapped up. Okay. And it just happened that Grace Smith was in town when they shot this. Perfect. So they had her looking through the milk. Yeah, yep. the milk. She got the her cameo. The milkmaid. Yeah. I like it. Pull back, fade to black. And white. Yep. Yeah, back to black and white, just like the movie started, going back to the original. They even got, like, the old-style coolers back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they weren't that damaged. No, it must not have been. No, Scrub them down. Super, superficial fire. Just the asbestos caught on fire. That's yeah, right. Pretty much. <laughs> Burned it all away. <laughs> there it is. There yeah. she is. Grace Smith. <laughs> I don't think that's not it. I, and fade to black. Well, there we have Bravo. it. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Now, the one little tidbit if you do watch this past the credits, um, they had a big face, or no, sorry, MySpace page up for movies. Okay. And they list every single one of the people that were friended on that site. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. It goes on for 12 minutes. There's that <laughs> like gawking guy. Yeah. Catholic schoolgirls. Trevor Furman is Elias. Yeah, husband Earthquake. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow, there we go. I think, yeah, we have actually now broken new new, records for us. (laughs) So, I think now is a good time. It is definitely one of my all-time favorites. Oh, absolutely. Hold it. This is like, like, wait, where's my popcorn? Where's your popcorn? I didn't, didn't get popcorn for this movie. You didn't bring it. You don't get it. Well, what's Simple the heck? that? I like, like I said, once <laughs> yeah, that's what we needed Oh, that's here. right. No eating while we're <laughs> recording. That's yeah. rule number what? Rule number two of podcasting? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The first rule is don't talk about podcasting. Oh, that's No, I said Smith, Smith talked about Clerks being his um, 20s. Movie mm-hmm. and then Clerks Two was his thirties movies and now said he's wrapping everything up with Clerks Three, which was going to be his uh, 
his 40s. That's Kevin calling. That's Kevin wants you to yeah. know. Oh, I, you know what? I did tweet him that we were going to be doing this. So, yeah, it could be a, a cease and desist order. Yeah, it's probably yeah. Yeah, it's more likely his lawyer going, uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You erase that right now. Yeah. But I, I think I could probably buy him. I think I could. If Kevin, if Kevin were to like, call, I could say, dude. I'll send you some Canadian weed. <laughs> okay, I can't argue that logic. Did you happen to see what I posted yesterday about the Kevin Smith project that's coming to Canada? Definitely, maybe. Um, he does. A, he did a show last year on Hulu, which is like a oh, Netflix. Yeah, it's called Spoilers. It's yeah, a movie yeah, review yeah. show where he okay. takes a crowd of people to watch a flick, brings them back to their little studio, and they review the flick. And it's so it's it's like us, real people given their opinion on it. Well, Hulu has not commissioned a second season, but Comedy Network here in Canada has. Nice. Because they did air, they, they didn't air all the episodes and they aired them out of order. It was really weird. But the, the Space Network here in Canada sounds did like a, air spoilers. Sounds like a Joss Whedon Firefly thing going on. Kind of, sort of. Yep. Mm-hmm. But Bell Media owns also Comedy Network and Comedy Network has commissioned a second season of spoilers. Nice. So we are going to get that before the U.S. does. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a nice feeling. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he loves Canada. Go Canada. And uh, yeah, he's been wanting to do some sort of project that up here again because he doesn't get up here enough. Now, so, is he going to shoot spoilers? No, it's still going to get shot in L.A. Because oh. they yeah. shoot it at Universal Studios, yeah. so, and they have a theater right there. Yeah. So they'll bring them there, and then the studio's like right next door to the theater. Yeah, that's true. Too. <sighs> It'd be too bad. No, it would be much awesomer if it was in Toronto when we could uh It would be, absolutely. There. And if, yeah. it, if it does well enough, I could see him bringing it up on the road. Mm-hmm. I would like to see... Um, a Babylon with him and Garmin in Toronto. It's that's supposed to be happening. Uh, it needs to happen sooner rather than I later. I know. I'd rather see him come to Chatham. <laughs> yeah, that ain't capital. I have yes. put my word in at the college that hey, you, you really should try and get any Kevin Smith thing to come. Well, even if, <laughs> even if you do get like a an evening with Kevin Smith, yeah, that might a Q and A. Yeah, he's been Don't he hasn't been doing a lot of the Q and A stuff except with the right. J podcast. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah, or. What, uh, there's only been one Canadian viewing of uh, Super Groovy that's been in the Montreal Comic Con, right? Uh, if I yeah. remember correctly, yeah. And Jay wasn't even there. I mean, I mean, Kevin wasn't even there. That's right. He had to leave. It just aired. They had some sort of family emergency. Kevin wasn't there. Jay had to do the whole thing by himself. Wow. Mm. So it turned into an evening with Jay, which is what we had here in Chatham a few years back. Yep. All right. Well. I guess uh, I said we better wrap this up. Banker for keeping the axes straight yet again. Yeah, there. Like, here's the thank you list is awesome in this. Yeah. Like I said just thanking everybody in his life, and just as we're going to be thanking everybody for right. for being the OG Randall. Yep. <laughs> I said I just thank everybody for sticking with us, and um, I said we we love doing these uh, shows, especially the specials for everybody. And I guess we're going to wrap. Up. What do you got? Uh, just one of the thank yous there was to Jersey Girl for taking the ass and not complaining about it. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't think I've ever actually watched through the whole credit, the whole credit sequence yeah. to see all that. Yeah, that's good. Stuff. All right. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for another week. For all right. The movie Madhouse. This has been Mike. And Rob. No, Sorry. What's my name again? You're Jason. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that okay, was weird. Take two. Take two. Damn it, this... we forgot name tags. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
for another week at the Movie Madhouse. This has been Mike. <laughs> Jason. And Rob. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. See ya. <laughs> I swear these guys really crack me up. They do sincerely crack me up. Um... I told you. I mean, that, that was just great. In fact, after listening to that, I think once I get out of here, out of the studio, I think I'm going to go home and, and pop in Clerks 2 to get a couple of good laughs. Uh, it, you just can't go wrong with Kevin Smith movies and the movie Madhouse. It was just what a good combo. Okay, so let's go ahead and switch gears and let's find out. Uh, let's see. Shaking it up really good. Okay, our next podcast is... This one's really wrapped tight here. I don't know if you can hear me opening it. This is News, Views, and Reviews 30. That's interesting because we might have a Kevin Smith run here tonight. Believe it or not, News, Views, and Reviews 30 is called Rick and Silent Dave Strike Back. Released... August 27, 2013. This week, Rick has a special, ca- special guest, David K. Montoya, which is me, as they talk about their newest hero, writer, director, podcaster, Kevin Smith. They cover a wide variety of Smith's films and accomplishments, and not only film, but in comics and in the literary world. Yeah, I remember that. It, it was... Again, uh, and it's funny because it's it's all about Kevin Smith so far. Uh, so go ahead, sit back, relax, and enjoy News, Views, and Reviews, number 30, and I'll see you when we're all done. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I am Reaper Rick, and this is News, Views, and Reviews. And I have a special guest with me tonight sitting in on the show. It's our... Uh, Fearless leader here at Jaysamon, uh, David K. Montoya, the owner, operator, and general fool, fool who runs 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 the programming here. Dave, say hello to the folks. <clears throat> hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. That's it. Okay, that's it. All right. Uh, I'm still well, getting actually. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna use Dave a little bit later uh, because we're going to. Uh, <laughs> okay, we have a surprise guest, but uh, I don't think she's going to be really talking much. Anyway, I will use Dave a little bit later because we're going to be talking about some stuff that he's uh, very interested in, and as well as I, but he knows more about it than I do, which is unusual. So anyway, <clears throat> first off, we got just, just a touch of news just to get us going. Um, last week in Windsor, Vermont, a huge pile of goat manure spontaneously caught fire on a farm, a goat farm. And it stunk up the whole town for days because they couldn't get the fire. I mean, they got the fire out, but it just smoldered and smoldered. And so the whole town stank like burning goat shit for days. So would that be considered hot shit? It was at one point, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Great. Anyway, anyone who has gardening, has done any gardening or knows how to compost or anything knows that if you have a big pile of uh, shit or anything else that sits out in the sun after it's been wet. See, this guy used to, he has an 800 goat, 800 goats on this goat farm. And he would, you know, 
bulldoze all the goat crap up into a big pile and then spread it around the farm. But it rained one day, so he didn't get around to spreading the, the shit. And it got wet, obviously. <clears throat> well, then the sun came out and started baking the inside of it. Well, there a lot of heat builds up in compost like that. So you, you can get spontaneous combustion that way. And <clears throat> they did. That's all. Just thought that was an interesting story. This is, this is the top, this is the top story though of the week. Okay. <clears throat> As if it's not bad enough to have Mormons come to your door and try to convert you in your own home. And sicking, sicking the dogs on them doesn't work because even the dogs don't like them. <laughs> Apparently last week in Las Vegas, uh, a couple of guys who were dressed as Mormon missionaries, you know, the white shirt and the tie and the black pants, and one of them had a backpack and everything. You see these guys riding bicycles up and down the street all the time. They knocked on this door in Vegas and... <clears throat> An older gentleman opened the door to them, which was his first mistake, and they handed him a pamphlet and, and started the usual spiel about, um, have you heard about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and, you know, yada, yada. And the guy says, well, yeah, I've heard, I, yeah, I've heard about it, but I really don't want to talk about it right now. He handed the pamphlet back. So these guys got really pissed off. They pulled a gun out. Really? Yeah, they pushed him inside, they beat him up, pistol whipped him and everything, went through the house, ransacked the house. His wife was hiding under the bed because she heard the commotion, uh, so she didn't get hurt, but they stole several thousand dollars worth of cash from a cookie jar of all places, and a whole bunch of, of electronics. <clears throat> Uh, the police are obviously looking for these guys, but they're going to be hard to spot since there's thousands of them roaming the country. So that's just one more reason to not allow them on your property. Because even while these two guys were more than likely not actually Mormon missionaries, now you just can't be sure anymore. Uh safer just to eliminate the, 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 the whole effort. So, anyway, uh, surprisingly, however, you know, the Mormon uh, religion started out on a on an interesting note. Uh, in the 1820s, Joseph Smith Jr. um <clears throat> formed or came up with the idea for the Latter-day Saints, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, <clears throat> after he was visit visit visited <clears throat> by a spectral being out in the woods. Uh, he claimed this was God, and... Another time, he claimed that God and Jesus both spoke to him. <clears throat> but, you know, I, it's, 
the whole idea of uh, a God coming down and telling, uh, uh, you know, Jesus and God coming down and telling them to start a new religion because they weren't happy with the way the the, the Jews and, and Christians were celebrating their <clears throat> lives and deaths or something seems a little far-fetched. Uh, especially since before he had these miraculous visions, uh, Joseph Smith was a uh, kind of a con man. Uh, when he was younger, he went around finding lost treasures for people, things that people who lost certain things, valuable things, usually. They would call on him, and he would manage to find them somehow and then get a reward for so the whole the whole episode I mean from, from the very beginning is suspicious but anyway he was told by these uh, spectral beings to dig up uh, a book of gold golden plates or pages which were written in a unknown language that he could understand and translate by wearing these special glasses they also gave him I seen that movie too. I'm sorry. I seen that movie too. It's not a movie. It's what really happened. They may have made a movie out of it, but I didn't see it. <clears throat> but anyway, I think it was maybe on the X Files or something. But anyhow, oh, you're talking about uh, Nicolas Cage and uh -huh. the, the Constitution thing, the yes. national treasure. Yeah. Well, it was something like that. These these special 3D goggles or some shit that they gave him. He could look at this foreign language and translate it into English, <clears throat> which he then had someone else uh, write down. Anyway, the, the whole thing was supposed to be the, the Book of Mormon. Um, and that was almost 200 years ago now. Of course, uh, the Mormons, once they... Uh, became an organized religion, were kicked out of town after town after town. Um, from New York, they kept moving further and further west because uh, people just didn't want them in their town. And they weren't even going door to door in those days. But uh, eventually, William Smith was killed by a mob, and uh, that's when Brigham. Brigham Young took over the uh, the Mormons and led them out to the Utah Territory, and they founded uh, Utah or something. I don't know. Anyway, that's where a good portion of them lived. Oh, initially, uh, Mormons believed in polygamy, you know, multiple wives, but in 1890 the church decided to do away with polygamy because it was causing too much trouble with the United States government. <clears throat> so splinter groups, fundamentalists, broke off from the Mormon church, and they still practiced polygamy at that time, and they still practiced polygamy. They still practice polygamy today. Uh, Warren Jeffs is a perfect example of a uh, uh, fanatical fundamentalist, and uh, all of his people are drones, and they follow his directives regardless of how stupid they are. 
the directives are, that is. Anyway, uh, a lot of people think Mormonism is just a cult type of situation, like uh, Scientology or something like that, because they, they expect you to give a huge amount of your yearly earnings to the church. They have great, huge tabernacles all over the place. And, of course, it's all tax-free. But anyway, <clears throat> don't let them in your house. Don't even open the door for them anymore because they're dangerous. Thank you. And if they knock at the door and you realize who they are, just yell from the other side. Just say, I can't read. <coughs> that works for me sometimes. Oh, I just, I just, the last time I saw some of those guys at my door, they interrupted my dinner for one thing. Went up to the door, I opened the door, saw who it was, and slammed the door in their faces. <laughs> and then I thought, well, that's rude. So I opened up the door again, and I said, get the fuck off my property, and then slammed the door. <laughs> and that was the last time I saw any of those guys. But anyhow, <clears throat> it's just not... It... Why? Why? I mean, it, it... everyone in the, in the frickin' church has to go out and be a missionary at some point in their young life. It's just required of them, as are a number of other peculiar, odd... Well, anyway, I don't want to get into that. Um, just don't let them in your house. Don't even open the door to them. Enough said. Thank you. All righty. Um... <clears throat> Uh, the main uh, direction this show is going to take tonight is uh, we're going to talk about some movies and a book, which uh, I guess you could say I'm going to review. And but 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 <clears throat> first of all, <clears throat> bloody hell, I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble making my mouth work properly tonight, so please excuse me, I'm also being mugged by bugs. <clears throat> anyway, um, I have a new hero <clears throat> in my uh, in my life. I, I don't have a lot of heroes. Um, most of them are all artists of some sort, usually writers, but uh, one of my heroes is my son, who some of you may know is Creep Creeperson, uh, musician and writer and director and screenwriter and actor and podcaster and I can't remember all the other things he's, he's accomplished. <laughs> but anyway, um, the reason, one of the reasons he's my hero, besides being my son, is the fact that he was able to overcome a not so wonderful upbringing. I mean, he came from a broken home, then he had to go live with his mother and a, and a stepfather kind of thing, and he went through a lot of shit when he was younger. And for a while there, I thought we lost him completely because he became a born-again Christian. But that was uh, that was just a phase, and he, came, he returned to the dark side, so everything's fine now. But uh, what he did... Out of all of that, he, he had to go through his, you know, his growing up period and everything. We all do that. Um, but <clears throat> he followed his dream 
And he accomplished his dream, which is even better than just following your, your dream. Uh, you know, he wanted to be a musician, and he became a musician. He wanted to be a writer, he became a writer. He wanted to direct films, he became a filmmaker. Uh, that kind of uh, drive in the face of adversity, and I'm sure he didn't get any support from his other family side, um, is just heroic as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he could have gone the, uh, the way of most people and um, buckled down and, you know, gotten himself a... Uh, well, he didn't have jobs that he didn't like. Everybody has jobs he didn't like. But he didn't let that stop him from continuing on until his dream was accomplished. And the reason I bring that up is because tonight we're also going to be talking about someone else who was able to do pretty much the same thing. And uh, I'm sure everyone is familiar with Kevin Smith, the uh, movie director. Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about Kevin Smith tonight because he went from obscurity to follow his dream which pretty much everyone he knew told him to give up because it would never happen he'd never make it and uh, he showed them all wrong he did he did good and in fact his his book called tough shit uh, subtitled life advice from a fat lazy slob who did good uh, well you know he did good. His first movie, his first major movie was Clerks. I'm sure a lot of people know about that. And <clears throat> amazingly enough, it went to the Sundance Film Festival and it cost him like $27,000, $27,000 to make. And it was picked up for $200,000. Well, $227,000, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he made a nice chunk of change out of that and has gone on to direct both um, some really fine movies and some that were not so good, were not so well received. And that happens to a lot of directors. It's not a crime. But he kept at it. And uh, so I'm going to count Kevin Smith among my heroes now. And Dave, David here, is also a big fan of, of Kevin Smith and his movies. So why don't you say something enlightening about Kevin Smith for us? Well, for me, as far as being a fan, um, I, I actually, of all people, I was introduced by Russo to Kevin Smith. And at first I didn't really think much of it because it was um, Scream 3, him and Jason Mewes had a small cameo in Scream 3. And um, it wouldn't be until like a year or two later, I would just stumble across Dogma at uh, at Walmart. It was just on sale. It was a really cheap movie, and I, I had nothing to do. And I picked it up, and I laughed. And I mean, for, what, almost three hours, it was just like consecutively just laughing. And... Then I went and, and watched the preview, or not the previews, but, you know, the special features. And 
kind of starting to learn about Kevin Smith. And, and as for me, the more I've learned about him, the more, I guess, I, I could say he'd be my hero. Um, you know, because he's, he's abnormal from the rest of Hollywood. He, to me, he seems more like a normal person, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. He's not normal at all. That's what makes him so special. He was a geek. Okay, in, in I see. school, just like I was, just like you were. You know, I didn't have any friends, really. I don't know if you had friends. I wasn't there. But <clears throat> he took his geekiness and made it into a profitable situation, basically. He wa he wanted to make movies his way rather than the way they've always been made. Right. And he got away with that for, well, right up through Red States. Yeah. And uh, he got a lot of flack for it. He took a lot of shit. But uh, he's he's up there now. He's he's done it, and uh, you know more power to him. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, that and <clears throat> you know it cost a little. It was like twenty seven thousand and some change to make Clerks, and now his his net worth is like twenty five million dollars. So he's he's done good. Uh yeah, I'd say so. That sounds that sounds like a good good. Well, it took him 20 years to, to get to where he is now, but uh, he didn't. He didn't give up. I'm sure that there were times when he wanted to, but uh, I mean, he uh, he loved film. He 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 watched movies for 20 years before he even got around to wanting to to be a filmmaker. And even though he went to uh, Vancouver Film School, yeah, or something up there. I don't think he stayed very long. And he didn't have a lot of formal training. But what he did have was visual training because he watched probably more movies than Dave and I have put together have watched. Yeah. I before agree. he even started, you know, wanting to become a filmmaker. And <clears throat> I can relate to a lot of what he went through. Uh ah, I mean, uh, excuse me, I'm fighting off insects here. You know, we shouldn't have been doing this out in the swamp, Dave. We should have been inside. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Humidity is good for the complexion. Yeah. Uh, now I lost my train. Um, anyway. Uh, you said so, that you can relate to him. Okay. Well, I can relate to that, yeah. But... Uh, I mean, I, I loved, I mean, I love movies too, but I, I, I didn't, I don't love them like Kevin Smith loved them. You know, I mean, he just lived and breathed film. I enjoy movies, you know, just because they're a distraction and, and an escape. But, uh, I feel the same way about books and writing as he does about film. And I, I know that when I was uh, when I was growing up, between the age of five and, and twenty or so, I read thousands of books. Some of them I read more than one time. And <clears throat> even though I, I took writing classes in college, and uh, you know I took a writing course online, you know I wasn't online; it was a mail order kind of thing. 
I, I, I don't have a lot of formal writing training, a lot of formal training in writing or in speaking English for that matter. But, uh, <clears throat> I love the written word and he loved film. So he has accomplished what he wanted to do. And I'm still working on my, my dream. But anyway, um, I can very, very well relate to what, what he was doing. And even, even in, a, in another, another way, uh, because, you know, for years and years and years, I would write stories periodically and send them off to, you know, magazines and whatever. And I have, I still have all of my rejection notices stored away somewhere. And I, uh, didn't understand what I was doing wrong because, of course, editors don't usually tell you why they reject your story, except that it wouldn't fit in the magazine or it's not what we're looking for or some other, you know, bullshit. So when I became, when I started becoming really serious about writing, which unfortunately was only about 15 years ago, I went out and I bought a whole bunch of, uh, anthologies, you know, science fiction anthology, the best of science fiction, anthology, horror anthologies, because I wanted to see what kind of stories editors were actually purchasing to find out where I was going wrong. And after reading through, you know, dozens and dozens of stories, <clears throat> excuse me, some of which I couldn't even finish because they were so either boring or poorly written, I decided that it wasn't the editors, I'm sorry, it wasn't me that was doing something wrong. It was the editors who were just picking crap to publish. And that's when I wrote my first story that was published. In fact, it was published by the first magazine I sent it to, but I changed my whole outlook on writing. And because I thought that so many other editors were publishing just crap, I wrote a story about crap, the Dragon Hunters. And I followed it up with another story about crap with the same people, the same characters, and that sold as well. So, breaking away from the norm will sometimes work because for years and years I had been writing what I thought other people wanted to read. But as soon as I started writing what I wanted to write, things started clicking. And that's Kevin Smith did the same thing. He didn't want to make movies that uh, other people expected him to make. He wanted to make movies he wanted to make. And he knew, probably, that there would he would have a core audience which he did develop, and he still has. And a lot of people don't like his movies. But he has a core audience that have always been fans and always like his stuff. And uh, that core audience has kept him going all these years. So being a little bit off-center is not bad, especially if uh, you're looking to do something that you feel you need to do. It's your calling. Sorry? I said, if it's your calling. If oh, you yeah. think it's your calling. Well, oh, yeah, well, yeah. You don't want to become a, a doctor if you can't stand the sight of blood. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if you, if, oh, speaking of which, let me, I have Kevin's book here, Tough Shit. 
And I did want to read a couple of little paragraphs here because even though this sounds so simple when you read it, so many people don't get it. This is Kevin Smith. There's a trick to being whatever you want to be in life. It starts with the simple belief that you are what or who you say you are. It starts, like all faiths, with a belief. A belief predicated more on whimsy than reality. And you've got to believe for everybody else, too, until you can show them proof. If you're lucky, someone starts believing with you, first theoretically, then in practice. And two people believing the same thing are the start of a congregation. You build a congregation of believers and eventually set out to craft a cathedral. Sometimes it's just a church, sometimes it turns out to be a chapel. Folks who don't build churches will try to tell you how you're doing it wrong, even as your steeple breaks the clouds. Never listen to the naysayers. But before all of that, you got to start with the idea. And I don't mean the idea for the story, movie, novel, installation, song, podcast, or whatever. you got to start with the idea that you can do this. Something that's not normally done by everybody else. Since it's not, a, since it's not second nature to take leaps of faith, you have to motivate yourself. You're going to embrace a reasonable amount of unreasonability because what you're saying is, I'm going to try this thing that very few people attempt, let alone succeed in doing. That's and deep. if you do that, oops, I walked away. If you do that, you may be successful. Doesn't always work. Sometimes you got to try more than one time. I, I certainly wasn't successful in my writing efforts uh, the first or 37th time, but I kept at it, and I uh, eventually, yeah. eventually became uh, published and so well known. I uh, no, that's not true. Anyway. Well, don't be so modest. You do have a fan following. I know this. I suppose so, yes. But, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I've, I have not tempted to, uh, breach the, the bridges out there. You know, uh, I've been rather content to just sit back and, have my few fans appreciate my work. Um, I, I intend to, in the near future, uh, and it pains me to say this, but uh, I intend to put out some of my work on electronic stories and possibly even ebooks, uh, because that seems to be the way things are going. Uh, and I should be able to reach more, more, more people that way too. So <clears throat> I'm still working at it, even though I'm a doddering old fool at this point in my life. But, uh, anyway. Have you thought about, or has that book inspired you to maybe 
put something out in a higher fashion, maybe send it to an actual agent to have it try to get it syndicated to, or not syndicated, but sent to different publishing houses? No, not, not what I have so far. Um, <clears throat> I would love to do that if and ever I finish my novel. Uh, they don't, you know, it's, it's hard to get short story collections published by people who aren't really well known. Right. Novels are different. But, uh, yeah, if I ever finish like Queen or The Soul of Magic or one of my other ten novels I've started, um, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I'd love to send it out to an agent or something. But, uh, again, I'm not, you know, dying over it. It'll happen if it happens. I just have to, you know, keep keep the work up. Yeah, I get you. It's, um, well, in fact, the, the book Tough Shit is kind of where my drive to work on the cartoon was. Because I've always worked on, you know, the micro-publishing field. And I've always been content. And I, I can follow you with that. You're just content with what you have. You don't want to go outside the box because you know you're comfortable. You already know how things are going to, you know, come out. But I felt after I read the book, why not just give it a shot? And that's where the, you know, the animated movie is coming from is because it's the biggest thing I've ever done. And I don't know if it will be the biggest thing I'll ever do, but I had to at least make that effort. And that's, I got the inspiration from that book. Right. Cool. Um, there, now, are, did you finish the book or are you still halfway, or are you, where are you at? I, I haven't quite finished it yet. Still got a couple chapters to go, but, uh, he's talking about podcasting and stuff now. So, <clears throat> which is another thing. Um, Kevin Smith started, uh, his own podcast. Years before podcasting became such a uh, popular uh, medium. And uh, while this is uh, my 30th podcast yes. in, in our Jasonmon uh, microcosm here, Kevin Smith has done, how many is that? Like 420 something? Uh, in total? I don't know. I thought, didn't you tell me that today? Well, he's, okay, there's. This, okay, I'm about to show you everybody how nerdy and geeky I am. Um, his primary um, show, it's called Smodcast. There's 274, 275 oh. episodes. And then there's another one called Hollywood Babylon, which has 100 and 130 episodes. And then he does one with Jason Mewes. Um, and that's a hundred plus episodes. He, he's done well. He's at least maybe five, six hundred podcasts. Right. And, and he can't podcast while he's making movies. So all of those podcasts were done in between the movie making. Right. Um, so yeah, he's, he's done that too. And, uh, I, I might, I might state here that. I, uh, I didn't really want to be involved with podcasting initially when Dave brought it up to me. <clears throat> because I just, I, well, I didn't understand it. It wasn't something I was familiar with. 
And then it turns out that my son, Creeperson, had been doing the podcast for quite a while. And I started listening to his podcasts. And I listened to some of Kevin Smith's podcasts and some other podcasts. And I decided that uh, that was just too cool to let slide away. Um, it's just basically talking. Conversation, yeah. Yeah, and people do that all the time. They do it all day, and they don't, uh, they don't even think about it. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> excuse me again. Um, so podcasting has been, you know, something else that uh, my son and other podcasters have encouraged me to do, not knowingly, of course, but uh, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm here doing this right now. <laughs> well, and I told you this uh, a couple days ago. You know, I actually had no clue what podcasting was until I read the book. And then I looked it up and I found the, his network, you know, his podcasting network. And I've been listening to, you know, all his shows. And I don't know. I just, it was something new. And it, it just, to me, appealed to me as fun. It did, it just, this doesn't seem as work or anything. It's just fun to do. Not only that, but, uh, while we started off with a very, uh, you know, small listening audience um, in just 30 or 40 weeks uh, we now we now reach 20 30 thousand people yes podcast that uh, that's nowhere near the hundred thousand or so that listen to Kevin Smith or more but uh, it's still it's still a nice way to reach people and uh, express ourselves and and have them give us feedback. I I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, iTunes and Stitcher. And I know a lot of people kind of uh, really, you know, go on about iTunes. And we've had, you know, decent with iTunes from what I understand. But our niche is with Stitcher. That's where we get the, the majority of all our, our listeners are on Stitcher. Wow. And... Um, you know, it, it's kind of nice because it's it's there. It's in the mix of of all these different podcasts. You know, they have the Nerdist podcast, of course, the the Smodcast podcasts. They have um, Adam Carolla. They've got Jimmy Kimball does a podcast now. I mean, amongst all these famous people, they don't just kind of categorize them by okay these are the famous these are people you don't know it's just all together and you know somebody be thumbing through stitcher and, and say we're just by maybe you know adam carolla or something They're like, oh, that, that that looks interesting let's click on it you know and it it brings a wide spectrum of possibility for us to reach new people Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I want to again thank all of our listeners for sticking around or welcome new listeners because it's always good to have listeners. Absolutely. Out there. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. 
That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com. And uh, so, anyway, if anyone has a dream or desire to do something beyond what is expected of them, um, and you want to get some hints about how to go about it, you know, pick up Kevin Smith's book called Tough Shit, Life Advice from a Fat, Lazy Slob Who Did Good. Because it's well worth a read, it's a, it's a pretty quick read. And he has a lot of really good information, especially if you're thinking about filmmaking. But it also applies to any other artistic endeavor. So that, uh, and he just released the audio version. 
Oh. Where he sat down and he literally read, read the, the entire, book. yeah. I, I thought about, even though I've, I've read the book a couple times already, I actually thought about picking up the, uh, yeah, the audio version just well. to hear him read it. That would be cool. Because, uh, among other things, you know, Kevin Smith does a lot of, um, outside. What is it? Next door, they're, they're probably working in their shed. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, sorry about that. Um, he also does a lot of live Q&A sessions after his movies, and he does a lot of conventions. He's also a big comic nerd. I'm sure you all know that. So, he talks a lot. He likes to talk. Uh, he's not very good um, just on a, a one-to-one kind of situation, especially if you watch some of the informational dialogue that goes on in his... Uh, movie, DVD kind of things. Uh, he doesn't seem to be quite as uh, articulate, but when he's in person in front of a large large crowd and everything, he really lets it rip. So, anyway, that's his book, Tough Shit. Um, and now I'm going to get into some of his movies here in a bit because I spent uh, most of the weekend watching uh, Kevin Smith movies. Many of whom, many of whom, many of which I I had never seen before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, not, <laughs> well, not many of them. I had never seen Dogma all the way through. I'd never even seen Clerks all the way through. Um, anyway, <clears throat> I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, the movies very much, and uh, you know, of course, my my favorite characters were you know Jay and Silent Bob because. Those guys are just uh, <laughs> way, way out there. And the funny thing is, I, I really associate with Silent Bob because uh, back at, back in the day when I was younger, <clears throat> I kind of was Silent Bob, except I wore a Navy, I mean, uh, Army fatigue jacket and sunglasses instead of the baseball hat and the trench coat. But uh, in college, I used to... Uh, uh, run drugs, you know. Right. Uh, uh, there was a guy down the street from the college who uh, was a dealer, and uh, he would give me, oh, I don't know, half a dozen or so um, pounds of, no, not pounds, ounces, I'm sorry, <laughs> half a dozen pounds, uh, ounces of, of pot. And uh, I'd take them down to the college, and I'd sell them. And in those days, you know, an ounce was ten bucks. You'd get a, you'd get a whole pound for a hundred. And there's, but in case some of you guys don't realize this, there's sixteen ounces in a pound, so you get six, <laughs> you get six free ounces for you know the ten bucks, and you make sixty bucks off the off the deal. But anyway, yeah, I would uh, I would wander the campus with a bunch of pot stuff down my shorts and. Uh, and when I sold it all, I'd go back and I'd give him the money and then he'd give me free pot. So. That okay, was, here's a question for you. That was fun. Out of the movies that you've seen over the weekend, which one would you say is your favorite? <clears throat> well, 
I guess it's a it's a toss up between Dogma and Clerks too because <clears throat> um I thought Dogma was hilarious. Uh but Clerks 2, I think, was an actual better movie. Seriously. I mean, he, uh, he just, he knocked that one out of the park. And, uh, the dogma was just hysterically funny. Um, uh, but you have to, uh, you have to be kind of a weirdo in a certain sense to enjoy that kind of movie because a lot, it, it offended a lot of people. And, oh, another thing I forgot to mention about Kevin's book, it it can be very crude at times. So if you're <laughs> easily offended by shocking statements, uh, it's probably not the best book for you to read. But if you aren't, if you aren't offended by, you know, trash talk and uh, body parts being mentioned, <laughs> mentioned a lot, then uh, go for it. And his movies are pretty much the same way. <clears throat> Some of the characters are, are very uh, potty-mouthed, but uh, if you think that's humorous because that's the way you talk, too, then it's all good. But yeah, I, I would say uh, Clerks 2 was a uh, a well-put-together, well-thought-out movie. You know, I like that. I I enjoyed the ending I because I didn't well, yeah. see the ending coming. Well, yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, that was his whole thing, you know. He didn't. He didn't want to have an ending that people were going to expect. So he did well with that as, as well. <clears throat> um, I'd have to agree with you. I, I really like Clerks too. Um, close second would be Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. I just I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. Well, it was, and I I really like Jay and Silent Bob. Um, I didn't think, um, <clears throat> I mean, for Jay and Silent Bob fans, it was great. You know, it was an all timer. I just, I just didn't think it was quite as good as the other two. You know? Right. I mean, it was still a good movie. I, I laughed my way through it. Um, but, uh, it was a little more, uh, slapstick than, uh, Clerks or something. That's an interesting way to look at it. I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, yeah, you're true. It's true. Lots of, uh, lots of parodies on different movies. And of, of course, you know, that was supposed to be his last View Askew movie. So everything tied in. And then, um, let's see, I'm trying to think. After that, well, Clerks 2 was his next View Askew movie. But he went on and he did uh, Jersey Girl and um, Zach and Mary with the porno, which I, I enjoy as well. Yeah, well, I haven't, I, I've seen it before, but I haven't watched it recently, so I'll watch that later. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I was, uh, I, I really like Jay and Silent Bob, and I'm so sad I have nothing else to watch than him, by the way. But, uh, Jay had some uh, rough times there uh, with uh, you know drugs and everything uh, Kevin uh, admitted that when he was in when he was in school you know he didn't do drugs he didn't drink and he was just an outsider and 
I was such an outsider when I was growing up. Uh, probably not until high school did I uh, ever actually start blending in and melding into uh, the general population, but I was still able to keep my, my perspective and uh, just basically use those people to get you know what I wanted rather than have them uh, turn me around in any way. Oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it on you. Uh-huh. Out of all the movies that you've seen, which one did you not care for, or care for the least? Jersey Girl. Was it Jersey Girl? Yeah. Uh, that was just not a. Uh... Except for you know a few uh, insinuations or innuendos or something like that, it didn't even really seem like a Kevin Smith movie. Um, of course. Red State did not seem like a Kevin Smith movie either, but that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to get away from the, uh, the uh, Kevin Smith motif, I think, and he certainly did. Red State was uh, the last movie he made. Yes. But I'm not... Is it, did he really quit filmmaking, or was there another one after that? I don't even know. <laughs> I know he said he wanted to quit after that. Well, as far as movies, as of right now, there is no film after Red State. Um, but he is supposed to start pre-production on Tusk. Oh, that's right, that's right. Next month. And then after he finishes Tusk, then he's going to wrap it up. He says he's going to wrap it up with three. But I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. Because it's it's that creator inside of a person that you know just tells you 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 got to you have to create right you, you have to make something. Well, in the in the book, he said that after Red State, he just wanted to quit <clears throat> making movies, but he said that he wanted to be an artist. And I haven't gotten beyond that. Well, no, that's not true. I've gotten to the podcasting part, so I'm not sure whether he meant. That he still wanted to be an artist because, you know, making films is a form of art. Right. Or whether he was talking about another form of art or what he was talking about. I haven't finished the book yet, so. But. Um, I'm actually trying to search my thoughts. I believe he was talking about being like, because technically podcasting is, is a form of art. So, and he was talking about, you know, expressing himself creatively through podcasting. Okay. Well, he's done that. A damn good job of that, too. I mean, uh, he's got hundreds of thousands of listeners, and he's got hundreds of thousands of fans all over the place. So, so far, <laughs> everything he's tried artistically has worked out well for him, for the most part. So, cool. And I was telling you this last, I was last night or night before last, you know, uh, after reading the book, I started listening to, you know, the podcasts and because there were so many years in, like six years in, I was able to listen to a podcast every morning. You know, I'd get up and, and take my son to school and run my errands. And as I'm running my errands, I'm always listening to a podcast. Well, more specifically listening to Smodcast. And, yeah. um, 
I have like eight podcasts left. And then I, yeah, and then I've listened to them all. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what I'm going to do with my mornings <laughs> because it's, it's become such a fixture to my routine in the mornings. Yeah. Because I, for me, I've learned that you get up, you get your cigarette and your caffeine, and the next best thing is a laugh. And it just makes you feel good. It get, gets you going. Yeah. Well, laughter is, uh, actually good for your heart and your circulation and your general demeanor so yeah that's always nice so sex is good too that i uh anyway um i was look, <laughs> looking at something else at the time um i can't remember what else i was going to say about kevin smith and his movies and, and whatnot um i know there was much more i wanted to talk about um they are all interesting how they're all interconnected and they are all interconnected which is which is funny as well as being cool um and i well i've watched some of those movies you know separately and there were references that i didn't know what they were talking about if you watch clerks first and then in order all the way through um there are lots and lots of references that apply to movies before that one, and you get you get them all if you do it the right way. <clears throat> so that was also pretty cool. It's kind of like a little uh, secret language that only the fans know. That's cool too, <clears throat> because one person who might be new to Kevin Smith be watching a movie, and then you have another person that has been following him. And they're cracking up, and the new guy's like, what's, what do you get, you know? Like you said, it's like a special code or special language. Yeah, special code, special language. And I did that last night, um, watching, uh... Out of everything that I've, I've watched and listened and, and whatnot, um, out of everything I've watched and listened to as far as Kevin Smith, and even read... There's one particular thing that I have not done yet, and I'm I'm really surprised that I haven't done this. Is I've not read any of his comic books. Um, he's written Daredevil. He's written The Green Arrow. He he he's writing. You mean uh, a, a an edition or the original? Yeah, he wrote an edition. Um, he did a, a series and Marvel. Were, was getting so pissed off at him because he would start writing a series, you know, uh, a mini series, and in in the middle of writing a series, he goes and shoots his movie. So obviously he stops writing, and there's this big gap of time between the next issue, and it used to piss them off so much. Well, yeah, I mean, you learn quick in the publishing game that you don't you don't publish or agree to publish a mini series or something like that until you have all the copies of the whole series in your hand. Because people always get distracted or have something else they have to do, and and then you're left holding a, an empty bag, basically. Yeah. Um. And but there's one in particular. He's he's written so far. It's a it's a three part mini. Let's see. Am I saying that right? I think there's six six issues in each part, and there's three parts to. The, the miniseries. Hmm. Um, and it's Batman. Oh. And I, I really want to 
to read those, but I've, I've actually just never got around to reading them. I don't know why. <clears throat> Can you pick them up online or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I used to collect comics, but I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't collect them feverishly like I collect books. I just got comics because I wanted to, you know, I liked the cover and I wanted to read them. Um, but I haven't been a serious comic collector uh, for a long time. Not like I uh, collect other things. But I still have a bunch of comics stashed away somewhere. I don't think I'm a collector anymore, to be honest with you. Well, no. I mean, if you don't go out and buy comics every week, then you're not a collector anymore. No. Of course, there's no comic book store up here anyway, so... But if the movie does go good... I'll make a, I'll, I'll I'll open up a comic book shop here. That would be cool. So, was that a kind of a combination of views and reviews together this week? What? I said, was that a combination of views? Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. reviews. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the views and reviews part were sort of mushed together for this one uh, because I wanted to just you know bring up Kevin Smith, his book, and and the movies and. While we didn't really talk a lot about the movies, <clears throat> um, we still can. Absolutely. We have no time limit. Okay. Um, Chasing Amy disappointed me. Really? I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the movie up until the end. The ending just blew as far as I was concerned. And uh, I, you know, I know that directors and writers and whatever don't like bad reviews, but uh, I was really disappointed with the ending. I thought uh, Holden, the comic book guy, was just a real prick and prude <laughs> for not just accepting the chick's pack background. I mean, what is, did, did, did he have no background? Did he never... That's what it seemed like, didn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, didn't he ever get porked in the ass or... Fuck somebody in the ass or something like that. Well, giving a blowjob to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I, I think he was just a real prick about not accepting her background because, and why the fuck? Did, I mean, I've never asked my girlfriend, any of my girlfriends, about their fucking background with other guys. I don't want to know that shit. <laughs> yeah, really. Seriously, I mean, what the fuck? Why would he even care? But then, but. You know, for whatever reason, Kevin Smith wanted him to care. And he just blew his whole wad, figuratively, on this, on this situation and just passed up an excellent opportunity with a girl who, in the movie, you know, really cared for him just because he was a prick. I was, so I was disappointed with that movie. You know. So if you were writing the movie, how would have you, how would have you, how would I, how would he have, yeah, I know, <laughs> it's contagious now, he can't speak either. If you were writing the movie, well, how would you have written the ending? I would have had him just go with her, but that's me, I mean, I would have gone with her. I think she's, she was hot anyhow, I liked her. I liked her in the other movies too, she just has that fucking really sex appeal. And I wouldn't care what she had done before, and I wouldn't fucking ask her either. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing you could do. 
You know, I mean, especially when you get somebody who's who's in their, you know, their 30s, you know they've been around. And, yeah, she was a lesbian when he met her. But, and, you know, yeah, she lied to him about saying that she had never been with a man before. So that may have, you know, ticked him off a little bit. But it also boosted his ego so much that, you know, you know, he turned her from lesbianism, right. you know. <laughs> what a bunch of shit. There's a, a particular scene with uh, Ben Affleck who plays Holden and a Benke who is uh, Jason Lee. Yeah. And he's giving the spill about, here's the Easter Bunny. You know, here's the man-hating lesbian and then here's the... Santa Claus. Yeah. Who's going to... And, and the dyke. Yeah. So who's going to get the hundred bucks? Well, anyway. That was um, a good piece. Huh? That was a good piece. Yeah. But, I mean, some people just, just can't handle that kind of exposure. I don't know. You just have to be mentally wired to understand that kind of situation. I mean, I, I was, I was, I was going with uh, a girl years ago and, um, you know, the first time we were in bed together, I was, I was going down on her and, you know, after 15 or 20 minutes or so, she finally said, you know, you don't have to do that. I said, I've never been able to, to come that way, at least with a man. <laughs> and as soon as she said that, well, I, I said, oh, okay. And I changed my tactics. And within five minutes, she was coming all over the place because, you know, it's a different, it's a different kind of approach that you have to use sometimes. So I was the first guy that ever gave her an orgasm, although she had had plenty with women, apparently. But, uh, you know, so what? It's not, you don't, you don't expect every person you meet to be a virgin. And if they aren't a virgin, then you know they've had sex before. And you don't care. You shouldn't care what kind of sex they had. I agree. As long as they have the experience, it's better for you, you know? So, uh, that, that, that movie just upset me because <laughs> he was such a dick, you know, and, I just couldn't believe that he would pass that up just because he had, he had a, he had a thing about her, her past history. He was Mr. Righteous. Uh, which sucks. But anyway, yeah, that was the one. Was that the question? No, it wasn't the no, question. No, we were just talking. Yeah, we were just talking. Yeah, I mean, uh, up until that point when he became such a dick about it, I thought it was a pretty good movie. You know, um, but he, he was just, he was, I, I don't know where the hell Kevin Smith got that idea for that, for that character. I don't know where that came from because that guy was just fucking out there. He should not have. Is it in the book? No. It's not in there? Not, not where he got. <clears throat> I mean, a lot, a lot of the stuff that are, that is in his movies, he took from his own life. Right. But I don't know. He didn't mention where that guy came from. That's why I was asking, because I actually know the answer. Well, okay. So I don't know. I wasn't sure if you were leading no, in. No, I or, wasn't leading in anything. Okay. I don't know. I just said that. Where um, did, how did that happen? He was in a long-term relationship. Who? Kevin? Kevin with this uh, one chick. and It was him? Yes. And oh, he, my God. He found out that she had, a, I guess, you know, a, quite a copious sexual experience. And, um, dude, I'm so sorry. It. 
I'm sorry, Kevin. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he, he couldn't handle it. And, and that was kind of his way of letting that issue go, was writing a movie about it. And he's moved on since, obviously. I guess. Well, I mean, you know, was that the first girl he'd ever been with or something? Or did, I think so. Didn't he realize that she seemed to be really good at what she was doing? I mean, you know, women who know how to do certain things really well, that means they practiced a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess he just didn't know. I'm sorry, dude. I, I well, didn't that, realize he was, that. He was in his early 20s, too, when this happened. So what? Oh, well, okay, never mind. <laughs> I guess some people mature earlier than others. Geek or not, you know. But anyway... <clears throat> Yeah, that's uh, that's too bad, Kevin. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to rag on you about that. I just I had no idea it was you, dude. I'm sorry. Um, since we're talking about kind of endings that didn't work, <clears throat> um, I do agree with you with the chasing Amy thing. Um, and we talked about this also off air is how you're waiting for Amy to come into play. Yeah, I go, who the hell is Amy? I'm watching two hours of this movie, and I go, where the fuck is Amy? <clears throat> and then that once... Was, that was the longest monologue I ever heard Silent Bob give out in any kind of movie. Um, which I thought was good. Oh, it was real good. He did it really well. And because it was about him... Now, I, I realize that now. He was telling his own story about chasing Amy. Fuck, no wonder it came off so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, as far as, like, endings that didn't work for me, um, I think the biggest issue I had was Red State. I did not like the Red State ending. Um, well, I... Just because... Because why? First you. The guy... Um, I can't think of... The, Cooper. The, the preacher? Yeah. He Marks. didn't, yeah. He didn't die. I know. He that, should have died. That, that was, that was the thing I didn't like about it either. They should have fucking killed all of them. Which is what they were supposed to do. Right. And then they ended up, you know, just arresting them and putting them in prison. Um, dead martyrs are much better than living ones. I mean, you know, easier to deal with. So yeah, they should have killed all those fuckers. But other than that. You know, if you don't know what we're talking about, there was, Kevin Smith's uh, last movie, Red State, R-E-A-D, R-E-D, Red State. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. He did... And I can't get an episode. I've looked. He's he's done an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Read it? Read it? Read it? Read it? Yeah, he, really. He, he read it? Oh, really, really? Really well, read he, it? He, he, he wrote and directed, I believe. Really? Yes. Well, I, I watched all of those. I just never pay attention to who wrote them or directed them, usually. Um, not that I had an issue with that ending. It was just because I know that you like Battlestar Galactica, and, and it's just kind of one of those things that just popped into my head. Oh. Um, I like the ending of Cop Out. I, I have to watch that again. I, it's been a long time since I saw that, so I'll have to check that out again. But that one, he directed, but he didn't write. Right. And it's interesting because with 
being a, a director, you can you can visually see his style. And I, I never really caught on to each person has a visual style as a director. But watching the cuts and the dialogues and, and you know the different angles, you instantly know that Kevin Smith is the director of this movie. But the content of the movie, you know, dialogue and, and story sequence wise, you you can tell it's not Kevin Smith. Yeah. Just because that you know, Cop Out had more action than all his movies put together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't write it. The the only reason I think he took the, the directing job was because he got, was gonna be able to direct Bruce Willis, which right. is, was one of his early heroes. And he found out during the uh, the filming of that movie that uh, some heroes have feet of clay, as they say. And uh, Mr. Willis wasn't all he was cracked up to be as far as, uh, well, as far as people go, I guess. Being his hero. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. It is sad because in the book he was talking about how much he loved moonlighting. Yes, and I loved that show too. That was such a good show. God, Bruce Willis was really young. He had hair, and uh, <laughs> he was funny. This was pre-Die Hard. Oh, fuck yes, this was like years before Die Hard. Um, it's on. Well, I had the first few episodes on VHS. I don't know uh, where those are now, but I'm sure you can pick them up somewhere, either on Amazon or Netflix or something like that. Um, but it was a great show. He was a detective with uh, Candace Bergen. Is that who it was? No, it was... Um... Oh, no, no, it was the other girl. Sorry, Candace. Um, what was her name? Ah, shit, look it up. Anyway, it was really good. Good show. And that was, I, I think that was where he got his, his, his real start in, uh, uh, TV movie acting was on Moonlighting, because that went on for several seasons. But anyway, yeah, it was interesting that Kevin Smith would mention that in the book, and that, that was one of my favorites too. David Addison. Addison. Yeah. David Addison. That was, that was his name. Yeah. That was the yeah. character. I was trying to think of the character's Maddie name. Maddie something or other was the yeah. girl. And she went on to have her own show after that too. And I just, just blonde girl. Was it Sybil? Sybil? Sybil Shepherd, absolutely. That's it. Fuck. Yes. Yeah, Sybil Shepherd and uh, Bruce Willis in Moonlighting. That was terrific. Okay, glad that's got settled. <laughs> I hate it when I can't remember something. <clears throat> um, let's see. What else can we cover? Well. <clears throat> Red State, if you uh, if you like Kevin Smith movies generally, uh, Red State is going to be a total shocker because it's not anything like stuff Kevin Smith has. Uh, it's not funny. It's not well. It it has some comic moments in it, but they're black comedy. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of uh, violence in the movie not enough apparently but there was a lot of violence and uh, although Quentin Tarantino just loved it yeah so I that's, heard <laughs> that's interesting of course yeah he's uh, he's a pretty violent 
dude anyway, as far as movies go. But uh, anyway, yeah, Kevin Smith, you got to get out there and check him out. There's, there's got to be something that you like, either his writing, his film, his podcasts. Uh, you know, he, he's done so many things in a, in a relatively short period of time. He's only been working at this for 20, 20 years or so. 20, yeah, 20, 20 years. 20 or 21 years. And he's accomplished much more than he set out to, I'm sure. And uh, he did it simply because he wanted to and he knew he could. So the moral of this program is that if you set your mind to it, pretty much anybody can do anything if they work hard enough at it and keep their eye on the goal. Or as he used to say, know where the puck's going to be, not where it is now. That's a hockey reference, but Yes. That's, anyway. That's his Gretzkyism. Yeah. He uh he was out there ahead of that puck for a long time. <laughs> so anywho, I guess uh you got anything else you wanna mention about anything about this? Well, you kinda of tapped on it. You know, other than just being entertained by Kevin Smith, you know, and there's so many different mediums that he can attract people to. Um, if you just want to be inspired, just... well, absolutely, that was the whole point of this. That uh, he he inspired you, and he he hopefully has inspired me. I haven't done anything about it yet because I just started reading the book over the weekend, but uh, I certainly would like to do more. So, yeah, inspiration is uh, the key here. And just don't take no for an answer. Just do it. Because there's always a way to get it done. You know, Kevin Kevin did not do a lot of his work in the traditional way. He went around the corner or under the the table or however you want to talk about it and he got stuff done that no one thought he could do just because he wanted it done and he had he had people going with him and uh, he accomplished some amazing things with very very little to, to work with so if you give up easily you know it's not worth trying to do anything but because you're always going to be uh Dashed, your hopes are going to be dashed over and over and over again. But if you keep at it, eventually you reach your goal. That's a good closing. Sorry, that's a good closing. Yeah, and I close. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Uh, I hope I hope we said something tonight that might uh, pique your interest and have you seek out knowledge in other places. And uh, next week I'll be back with hopefully something else of interest all right dave say good night folks have a good night thanks for having me all right no problem appreciate you coming by since we're here at your house anyway um so (laughs) all right everyone i'll say good night and we'll see you next week thanks a lot good night just more kevin smith goodness i tell you um yeah it's it's a big theme i think most of the people around here really enjoy what Kevin Smith does as a a writer and creator. And, you know, it's, it's very rare to 
get together and talk about because you don't want to go out and try to make yourself sound like you're just a, a follower or whatever. So it was really fun to sit and talk with uh, Reaper Rick and, and kind of, you know, praise Kevin Smith for all his effort because I know he gets a lot of crap for just being who he is. Okay, so let's go ahead. I got the cauldron right here. Let's shake this bad boy up and we'll find out what number three for this week will be. Okay. And it is Sheer Darkness, number 31. You're not going to believe this, kids. Um, <laughs> Sheer Darkness, number 31. Terry and Dave make a podcast. Released August 29th, 2013. This week, Terry and Dave follow up their conversation from news, views, and reviews as they talk about their newest hero, writer-director, podcaster Kevin Smith. They cover a wide variety of Smith's films, accomplishments, and not only film, but comic books and in the literary world. Wow. That's, uh, that's something else right there. All right. Well, hey, there you go. I guess um, we'll just finish out the topic of Mr. Kevin Smith this week. Uh, I couldn't do that again if I wanted to. All right. Well, here we go. This is Sheer Darkness, number 31. And it's not Terry and Dave make a porno. It's Terry and Dave make a podcast. Greetings, everyone. This is Terry D. Shearer. And I am David K. Montoya. And I bid you welcome to Shearer Darkness. Now, I know... <clears throat> oh, it's locked. My voice is gacked up today. But anyway... Um, some of you may not know that I, I actually do two podcasts a week. Uh, one is uh, Terry Shearer, and the other one is Reaper Rick. And, I, and I, while there is some crossover listeners, uh, I'm pretty sure that not everybody listens to both podcasts. And I want to know why the hell not, <laughs> because I'm just as fucking witty and intelligent on both of them. So the Reaper Rick show news, views, and reviews, which has been moved to Tuesday now. Anyway, we just recently uh, recorded that show, and we were talking about uh, some stuff that I don't feel we completely covered as well as, as completely as I would have liked to. <clears throat> so we're going to uh, work on that a little bit more. So for the people who didn't hear the Reaper Rick show, this will be all be new to you anyway. For the people who did hear the Reaper Rick show, um, a little bit of it might be a repetitive, but uh, hopefully we'll cover enough new stuff that it won't be too boring for you. <coughs> yes, Dave, what were we going to say? I was going to ask you, so what do you want to talk about this week? I don't know. I thought you had the schedule. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <clears throat> we were talking about... Um, couple of indie filmmakers and um, Kevin Smith is one of them and while I've been a Kevin Smith fan for a long time David is a Kevin Smith fanatic and since we're working together now face to face <clears throat> which we weren't doing for the first 28 or 29 shows uh, he's allowed me to uh, watch 
all of the Kevin Smith movies that he's ever made. And uh, while I've seen bits and pieces of most of them, I, I really have never seen all of his movies from start to finish. And uh, I missed out a lot from by not seeing them. And we were also talking about another indie filmmaker, uh, Creep, Creeperson, who some of you may know is my son, actually. And he taught me everything he knows. So we're going to uh, continue on in that same vein. And the reason we're talking about uh, both of these guys is uh, David also let me read Kevin Smith's uh, book. So, I mean, he's also a writer. Uh, you know, well, of course, he's been writing most of his own movies anyway, but he's a, he's a writer. And the name of his book is Tough Shit. Life Advice from a Fat, Lazy Slob Who Did Good. And, <clears throat> excuse me, bloody hell. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Kevin Smith and Creeperson both started out in quite under quite similar circumstances. They both uh, were film lovers. I mean, I like film movies. I you know I love to watch movies, but I mean these guys both just lived film, uh, and uh, my son is no exception. I mean, even as a little kid, he would. Uh, you know, he loved all the old monster movies, which I I loved because I grew up with them for the most part. And I shared those with him, and he really liked those. And he went on to uh, get into all of the, you know, newer monster kind of movies that came along in the 80s and 90s and whatnot. Uh, Kevin Smith was basically the same way. His dad was taking him to the 25-cent movie afternoon shows or whatever it was while he was in Joyzy growing up and uh, he just fell in love and <clears throat> while Kevin Smith wanted to be a filmmaker early on uh, Cooperson went into music first and you know formed his own band and has several albums out now and then decided that he wanted to be a filmmaker and that's what he did uh, against all odds and against, I'm sure, most of his family's wishes. I supported him, but uh, I'm sure he got a lot of flack from other people in his family. Anyway, he went on to become a writer, a movie writer, script writer, whatever you want to call it, and a director and an actor. He's actually a surprisingly good actor. Um, and he may has he's filmed, I don't know how many movies for both himself and other people. And now he and he's written several books. And now he's doing, uh, well, wait. Then he started doing podcasting, which Kevin Smith is also doing, has been doing for a long time. And now Creeperson is back writing ebooks and e-stories, which he really enjoys doing, and he's taken kind of a break from the film industry business for a while to uh, focus on his writing. And uh, anyway, I just find it interesting and, and kind of ironic, I guess, that 
they both started out the same way with some training but not very much and what they basically did was watch thousands of movies and knew what was good and what wasn't what kind of shots were worthwhile and uh, they they just went from that you know basically on the job training kind of thing and uh, it's amazing how much these guys know about film well, before you get into the book, I wanted to find out, do you know what uh, Creep's newest movie is, or what his next movie is that's supposed to be released? No. I know that he finished Satanicus a while ago, but I have no idea when that's coming out, or even if it's in post-production or not. Or, uh, like I said, he's gotten so into writing again that I haven't really heard much about his movies lately, and I haven't been able to talk to him too much lately because he recently had some serious dental work done, and he also has a uh, TMJ thing in his jaw, mm. so that's real painful, and he's having trouble um, talking and thinking about things other than the, than the pain. But <clears throat> anyway, I'm not real sure what he's done lately so he he gets uh he gets going on on film shoots and uh i can't keep up with him huh. but anyway um the other thing that both of these guys have in common is that against all adversity and uh public opinion occasionally they both pushed forward with their dreams and accomplished, at least to a certain extent, what they wanted to do with their lives. And uh, my son was really, really fortunate to be able to do that because now that I didn't get to do exactly what I wanted to do with my life, although I, uh, I was able to turn in that direction late in life, it's unfortunate that I had to wait 50 years to get there, but uh, he got there early, so, you know, uh, good for him, and so did Kevin Smith. <clears throat> That's interesting, because I'm actually looking at Creep's IMDb page, and Kevin Smith oh, is Kevin Smith here. is uh, similar, it's in the similar yeah. category to Creep, right. so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But uh, to check out Creep, you can go to his IMDb page. And uh, he's, for when he started, because what he started about, what, nine years ago, ten years ago now? Yes, something like that. Um, he has made a shit ton of films. I was actually really surprised. Well, he's he's directed 41 films. According to IMDb, yeah, he was the writer on apparently forty-two of them and acted in twenty-six. So, um, and he edited, you know, half at least half of his own films, and uh, he was uh, been busy. He was he was been busy. Yeah, well, again, according to IMDb, I'm looking at it. It says that Meet Me Out in the Sticks 
happened in 2006. Right. That was a very that was a that was a video short though. Yeah, I remember that when that first came out. So that's uh, eight years ago. I remember we had an opportunity, we got to go to a screening um, when he came out with uh, Creeperson's Frankenstein, where we got to sit down and watch that together. That was enjoyable. That was. I I, I really liked that that version of, of the movie he did there. You know, I thought that was one of his better better efforts still. <clears throat> Although I, I haven't seen everything he's done because uh, a lot of it hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, it's just he's got a, a, a plethora of work, so you you should check it out. It's at like I said, it's imdb.com. And he also has a large number of music albums out as well. You can just go to his own website, creeperson.com, uh, I think it is, and find out everything about him that you need to know, I guess. And, and I, in fact, when you were looking at my computer the other day, you noticed that I have a few tracks from Creeperson. Um, I just love, like his music. I like his voice. It's very unique. Yeah. Well, good. Very, very talented. Multi-talented. <clears throat> I have good genes. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the other things I wanted to do was just read a couple of paragraphs out of Kevin Smith Smith's book because what he says here just sounds incredibly simple, but so many people don't know how to do this. All right, this is Kevin Smith. <clears throat> there is a trick to being whatever you want to be in life. It starts with the simple belief that you are what or who you say you are. It starts, like all faiths, with a belief. A belief predicated more on whimsy than reality. And you've got to believe for everybody else, too. You've got to believe for everybody else, too, until you can show them proof. If you're lucky, someone starts believing with you first theoretically, then in practice. And two people believing are the start of a congregation. You build a congregation of believers and eventually set out to craft a cathedral. Sometimes it's just a church, sometimes it turns out to be a chapel. Folks who don't build churches will try to tell you how you're doing it wrong, even as your steeple breaks the clouds. Never listen to but before all of that, you got to start with the idea. And I don't mean the idea for the story, the movie, the novel, the installation, the song, the podcast, whatever. you got to start with the idea that you can do this. Something that's not normally done by everybody else. Since it's not second nature to take leaps of faith, you have to motivate yourself. You've got to embrace a reasonable amount of unreasonability because what you're saying is, I'm going to try this thing that very few people attempt, let alone succeed in doing. So basically, you know, you may fail, 
once or twice. But if you keep plugging away, eventually, if you have a belief in yourself and your project, you can achieve whatever goals you set for yourself. I mean, I wanted to be a writer since I was a little kid. And uh, I wrote periodically for years and years and years and sent stories out to magazines as I was, you know, going through my 20s and 30s and 40s. And uh, I got all of the rejection notices that I received back in those days <clears throat> to prove that I actually did send stories out. But uh, I, I never had the time to really become a writer because, you know, life gets in the way sometimes of what you really want to do. But finally, when I was getting older, I realized that if I wanted to do something with this seriously, I, I really had to buckle down. So, I, uh, I did, I did a lot of research, I did a lot of study, I did, I've been reading books for, you know, 55, 60 years, practically. And, uh, again, while I had some literary training, like, you know, in college, and, uh, took a couple of courses, uh, basically, I learned how to write by reading people's books. Just like, uh, Kevin and my, and my son learned how to make movies by watching movies. And the rest of it was pretty much trial and error. You uh, screw up here and there, you know, you uh, face defeat. Um, everyone, everyone does. Stephen King didn't get published right away. And he wrote short stories under a pseudonym because he was afraid that... Uh, the stories were going to be so bad he wouldn't be able to use his real name if, you know, he ever got famous writing his novels. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's what, remember, you know, he wrote under that other name? Richard Bachman. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's why he wrote under a pseudonym, because he was afraid that those stories weren't going to be good enough for people to really like, and he didn't want his Stephen King name on those stories if they fucked up, if mm. they flopped. <clears throat> but uh, he was wrong and while, while you know the, the books sold they weren't um, great books until after people really found out who had written them and then they went out and bought them again but anyway um, if you've got a dream you have to pursue it if you just sit on your ass and speaking of sitting on your ass um you know, you have Kevin Smith's movies like Clerks and Clerks 2. Um, these guys just wasted a good portion of their lives sitting around just, you know, dicking each other and not getting anywhere. And uh, a lot of Kevin Smith's movies tell stories of his own life. Fortunately, Peterson's movies don't do that <laughs> because his movies are a bit uh, on the edge of reason and shit. Um, I just wanted to uh, 
tell people out there who, who want to be something else, who want to be a writer, a, you know, a filmmaker, a dancer, an artist, whatever. It, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna get there if you don't travel to the destination. And if you're always getting off the train or whatever and taking side side trips and you know, you just you gotta keep plugging away, you gotta keep pushing or else shit just ain't gonna happen. And I admit that uh, I have let myself go for the past couple of years, past three years anyway, haven't really uh, done much of anything in my own craft for the past few years, um, and I'm working my way back up. Actually, when Dave came to me uh, a year or so ago with the idea of podcasting, I thought he was nuts. <laughs> um, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't know what podcasting was all about. So my son had been doing podcasting for a long time. I listened to some of his podcasts. Kevin Smith has been doing podcasts for years. He's got five or six hundred podcasts under his belt. And uh, it's a great way to reach people. I mean, we have tens of thousands of listeners. Hello, everyone. Sheer Darkness gets about 11,000 downloads a week. From, from, from one thing, right? From Stitcher, yes. From Stitcher, right. But we have like a, so dozen, many other, yeah. a dozen other uh, organizations or whatever you call them that carry our, our podcast. So uh, we reach a lot of people, not as many as Kevin Smith, but we, we reach a lot of people and uh, it, it's, not, you know, I, I still want to thank everybody, every, every podcast, because... It's just amazing that uh, people out there are willing to spend an hour listening to us. <laughs> I, I don't talk a lot. You know, I'm not really a, a, a big talker. I mentioned on the other show that back in the back in the old days, I was a lot like Silent Bob. You know, I didn't talk much about anything anywhere. Uh, I was just kind of on the outside looking in. But uh, podcasting is different. You, know, you get a chance to talk to people that you never, never see, never get to meet, but at least you can share ideas with people all across the world. And so, uh, I thought I, I thought I'd give podcasting a try, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Really get to uh, express some of your uh, deeper inner thoughts. And, uh, I think that, uh, <clears throat> actually, one other thing I wanted to talk about tonight was, uh, comic book movies from comics. Because there have been so many in the last few years. Oh, yeah. And most of them, when I go to watch the movie, I wasn't even aware that they were from a comic book until I see it on the, you know, on the screen. So why, why do you suppose they're making so many movies from comic books now? Is it because comics are so popular that they're just trying to get another fan base into the movie theater, or what? Um, You're a comic geek. 
or are you used to I would have to say, and, and this is just in theory, I, I don't have nothing to back this up. I know that back in 2000 when the X-Men movie came out, and that was kind of the start of all the comic book movie was with X-Men in 2000, it did really well. You know, it made a lot of money globally. And quickly thereafter, once they realized how much money was to be made off of a, a, a decent comic book movie, they came out with Spider-Man. And Spider-Man made over a billion dollars. What about Superman? Didn't he come out before X-Men? Um, well, first one. The first one came out in 1979, I believe. Yeah, that's before. Um, and it did well, but there wasn't really that many comic book movies up until Between. yes. Okay. And I think that was because of the limitations CGI had. But now we can make it look so believable you know you can have people doing pretty much whatever you can think of and with the CGI of today it looks like they're actually doing it it doesn't look like they're computerized anymore so I think with the the good sales of comic books of comic book movies that really started the the way of things plus the evolution of CGI I think it, they realize it's just a good time to put out comic book movies. Even though I have to admit, some comic book movies I didn't care for. Um, but they're still, they're, they're popping out at a rapid rate. There's um, just, let's see. As of this recording, the new Wolverine came out. And then right. Kick-Ass 2 came out, which right. is a comic book. So they're constantly... On the run. Well, see, I didn't even know Kick-Ass was a comic book. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I you know, I hadn't been in, into comics for a long time. And when I was, when I was a kid growing up in, in Long Beach, you know, my, I would stay weekends with my grandmother down near, down near the ocean there. And she would take me to this little corner grocery store that was about two blocks from her house. And she'd let me buy three comic books every time we went in there. And, of course, they were only 10 cents a piece in those days. Right. And uh, so I, you know, I collected comic books as a kid because they were an inexpensive form of entertainment. Uh, but uh, I can't afford to buy them every week now. Oh, hell no. They're like four or five bucks a copy. And they're smaller than these. Yes. They're about... 12 pages smaller than what they used to be. Initially, when they came out in the 60s, which was the, the big bang of, of comic books, um, they were 32 pages. Uh, as of today, I, I believe most comic books are, are down to 20 pages now. And then they have, you know, 12 pages of advertisements. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I think that's kind of the reason why I stopped. Because I just felt that, number one, I felt that I could write a story better than what's being produced. And that and that, that's not being egotistical. That's just the way I feel, you know, as, as writing and telling a story. Um, and I just couldn't get into what was being told. And I, I showed you the other day, you know, the, the, the comic book on the phone, the iPhone. 
You know, there's yeah, hardly right, right. anything there to read. Right. Well, that was one of the reasons I got into writing myself, because uh, after reading so many books, I discovered that uh, there was so much stuff out there that I couldn't even read because it was so badly written. The story sucked. It was just poorly written, and it still somehow managed to get published. And uh, I thought, well, fuck, I can, I can write a better story than that, and I have. I've written many better stories than the shit I used to read. <clears throat> it's it's funny you say that because if you look at the screen here, there's something that I keep on my desktop just for whenever I feel like reading something. Um, let's see if I can find it here without making a break in the the story. Okay. It's there. I just gotta find it. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, um, for like I said, for years I I was getting rejection notices, and then I I changed my entire attitude around about how to present a story, and I uh, sold my first story to the first magazine I sent it to. Because I had just changed my whole attitude about how how I wrote, and there you go. Well, jumping back to that on the screen is between the moon and Mars. Um, that is probably one of my all-time favorite stories, and though we met. Um, Initially at, at Desert Valley when we were working, um, I think before our friendship really mended, I think I was actually a fan of your writing before we became friends, because I was told that you're a writer, and of course I'm a writer, and, and then you allowed me to read some of your stuff, and I remember every day that I was working, I'd go to you and say, do you have more, you have more, you have more. And, you know, I was reading and, and consuming as much as I could of your writing. So I, I would actually say that I, I was a fan of your writing before we became friends. And All right, cool. That's, and, and that's why I have this file on my desktop, mm-hmm. is that out of everything that you've written, I've probably read that story... 20, 25 times over the years, if not more. And it's just one of my favorite stories. Well, that's very nice. Thank you. Just sitting here looking at that, I spotted a number of errors <laughs> in the uh, in the story that would need to be fixed up, but uh, that's not a problem. That was an early, early story. I mean, you know, grammar and punctuation and shit is just... Uh, that, that must be, like... One of my early, early fucking. It looks like it came off a typewriter for Christ's sake. But anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's cool. But, uh. It's just, you know, you have to keep plugging away at it. And, uh. Success is never easy. Well, it is for some fuckers. But for the most, for, for most of us, we have to really work at it. But it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy. And there's always going to be setbacks and potholes and bullshit you have to deal with. Don't give up. I mean, even when I was an editor and people would send me in just 
horrible shit. You know, I would tell them, don't give up writing. You know, just learn how to write and keep going. Yeah, speaking of an editor, he had to put up with my shit for 33 months straight. I'm surprised he didn't quit. <laughs> I, I, I think I did try a couple of times. But anyway. <clears throat> Uh, so, um, getting back to, uh, movies, um, again, I, I was able to watch over the, over the past weekend a number of Kevin Smith movies that I had never seen all the way through from beginning to end, and, uh, I've always liked Jay and Silent Bob anyway, and those guys are just, you know great together and uh, I, I finally got to watch uh, Zach, and, Zach and Miri make a movie on porn make a porno make a porno uh, all the way through and I'm, watch, I'm watching the uh, documentary uh, double disc too and uh, that was a hilarious fucking movie I uh, I'm surprised it didn't do better at the box office it, could have been that it was pretty raunchy, <laughs> but it, it, it was it was raunchy in a funny, hilarious way. I mean, they were not trying to, you know, show porno stuff. I mean, it was not a porno movie. It was a parody, okay, a parody of everything <clears throat> bad and, and, and stupid that can happen while people are trying to do something that they have no knowledge of and have no talent in doing. Well, except for the couple of hookers over there. <laughs> well, not the hookers, but they had a couple of porn stars actually in the movie, which was kind of nice. Tracy Lords was in it. And, uh, Tracy Morgan. No, Tracy Lords. Tracy Morgan was no, a cop-out. Katie Morgan. Katie Morgan. Is in... Is in the... Uh, Zach and Mary. So, so is Tracy Lords. I'm the same. She's another porn actor. Yeah, Stacy was the other one. Yeah. Yeah, they were both really cute. But anyway, um, it was a funny movie. It was intended to be a funny movie. It was not intended to be a dirty movie. And I no. think, I think a lot of people just got turned off because they thought it was going to be, well, it was raunchy, but they thought it was going to have well, it did have a lot of nakedness in it, but they thought it was going to be more of a bad, explicit, maybe bad, yeah, explicit. They thought it was going to be more. Exp well, it did have frontal nudity, dude. <laughs> well, I, when I say explicit, I mean oh, like okay, full yeah, on. yeah. They didn't actually show any penetration, okay. Even though there was one scene, and and I just laughed and laughed when um, uh, what's his name? He was. He's actually in Clerks. He's Randall. Yeah, Jeff Anderson. Jeff Anderson. Don't tell him that. About the, the close-up. The camera. Close-up camera when he was. Uh huh. Oh God. Okay, I won't spoil yeah, it. Yeah, they you can't can't spoil that. That's a that's a big surprise. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, that's uh, a lot of people. I mean, when they when they showed the movie to the. Uh, the censors, or the guys that, that rate movies, you know, 
A lot of people said you cannot have that in the movie and get an R rating. You just can't do it. And I, I don't know how they did it, but somehow or other it got through. But that part is <clears throat> so disgustingly funny. <laughs> uh, we can't even tell you about it on the air. So, <clears throat> it's a great movie. It has very little to do with sex. It's just funny. And uh, many, many of his movies are just hilarious. Um, but Red State, I think, was such a break for him. I mean, a break away from all his other, all his other work. Um, I actually did not enjoy Red State very much simply because I, 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 I just do not like the uh, content what he was what he was trying to show just hit too close to home I think and, with the uh, Westboro yeah with the, with the church idiots church freaks Michael Parks was great uh, I don't know how many of you remember Michael Parks from the old days when he had his own show and the motor and he was riding the motorcycle. Here comes Bronson. Holy shit! I just remember the name of that show. Here comes Bronson. It was in the 70s, I think, and he used to ride around the country on the motorcycle. Great show. He's, he's a great actor, and uh, the movie was well made, but it was just a sickening display of ignorance and stupidity and I, I might have liked it better if they killed everybody at the end but they didn't so what, 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 what can you say and I said this actually from the last uh, episode of, of News Views and Reviews is that was my only hang up about the movie was there was a sole survivor. And I think the sole survivor is the number one person who should have died. Well, they all should have died. Well, yeah. Um, because they... Because they're just fucking ignorant bastards. They should have died. Because by living, it, they, they, they're able to spread their disease to other people. But anyway, it was a great movie. It was very well done, but it was just not my cup of tea, all right? So, again, you know, it was a great movie. He did a really good job, you know, away from his comfort zone for sure, but uh, I'd rather watch Clerks. Yeah, he has, he has a, a very strong connection with comedy. I mean, he can he can tell a serious story, but I think he really shines when he's he's doing comedic work. Well, absolutely. I mean, he shows that every day. He's doing live podcasts in uh, Hollywood like every week, and he does stage shows all over the country. He and uh, Jay, Jason Hughes. So yeah, he's he he's a comic first and foremost, I think. Um. Oh, I, I've just had a brain fart. I was gonna. Oh, Jason Mewes. I was gonna talk about Jason Mewes real fast. Um, had an opportunity to meet him in person, 
And interesting enough, you would think that he would be different from the character Jason Mewes. But he is Jay in the movie. It, the, the, the character and the person is the same thing. Well, yeah, that's probably why he was cast for that. Because I, you know, I've seen him in, uh, you know, several different movies that Kevin Smith has made. And, uh, it's the same character. I mean, he's, he plays a different character, but it's the same Jay. Right. You know. In fact, it was funny because I was going to bring this up last time we talked about it, but I forgot to. Um, I, I had a, a opportunity to have a photo op, photo op with him. And, we did a pose, and he's like, no, 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 no. He goes, do you know what Buddy Christ is? I was like, of course I know what Buddy Christ is. He goes, throw the Buddy Christ pose. And then so I threw the Buddy Christ pose. And then if you actually look at the picture, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And then he jumped in and, and you know, got. he's just a really cool, cool person in, in real life. Yeah, but he's that's, that's just him. I mean, the way he acts in the movies is pretty much the way he acts in real life. Because even when they were doing the documentaries of uh, Zach and Miri afterwards, and you know he's walking around the set naked and everything, and, and he just—that's just him. That's just the way he's got some cool tattoos. Too. The tribals. Yeah. Yeah, I seen those. But anyway, that's him. Yeah, that's just him. Um, jumping back to the book uh, of tough shit. Yeah. So far, what you've read, because you haven't completed it yet, um, yeah. what, out of chapter-wise, what uh, have you liked the most so far? What really hit home for you? Well, basically, that just that, you know, he, he was able to start out with nothing as far as, you know, becoming a, a filmmaker or anything for that matter. Uh, just start out from nothing and uh, you know he may have been lucky but uh, <clears throat> his first film you know he sold at Sundance for $220,000 on a $27,000 budget for the movie and uh, you know he just goes from Sundance to Con and uh for the most part, his, his movies are very well accepted. And it hasn't really changed him that much. You know, he's still the same geeky, fat guy that he always was. And right. Like, he got up he got up on stage at Con when they, when they were premiering Clerks 2. And here he is, wearing this fucking tuxedo jacket, a starch shirt, and a you know, bow tie and everything. And he's wearing those damn fucking shorts and tennis shoes <laughs> under his tuxedo jacket. And I thought, dude, at least put on long pants like yeah, a big really. person, you know, a grown-up. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, he's still the same kind of guy. And as far as I, as far as I know, he's still approachable, you know, as a, as a good guy. Yes. But he did, you know, it says on the front of his book, he's a guy, lazy slob who did good, and he really did good, did well, and, uh, you know, I, he's just uh, one of my heroes now because of that. He and my son, uh, they both did what they wanted to do, and they're both still doing it. It's 
kind of neat because there isn't too many heroes left in the world, I don't think. <clears throat> well, it, 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 you know... Depends. A lot of, yeah, but I mean, a lot of people don't like Kevin Smith. They don't, don't like what he does. But, uh, you know, when you've been there, you know, when you've been where he started out as, you know, just lower middle class, basically, and you see someone <clears throat> make it in the world, it's just uh, uplifting makes you feel good a little bit at least that someone was able to claw their way out of the sludge and shit that drags most people down and was able to really do something good in his life um, in the book for me it's interesting because what was said really kind of made me think differently but it was initially it wasn't even said by him he was just saying what his sister told him and it was after he seen the movie Slackers, you know, he, he came home and he was talking with the sisters, or his sister, rather, um, and he said, I think I want to be a filmmaker. And she said, well, then be a filmmaker. And there was a, a little bit of back and forth, and essentially what she said is, well, you're a filmmaker, you just haven't made a film yet. Yeah. And that, that kind of just really set home for me, for so many things that I... I still aspire to do myself you know I, I can be this person i can be this this professional i just haven't done it yet that's kind of <clears throat> the way i try to see things now yeah that, and that's part of what i read out of his book you know that uh if you want something badly enough you have to believe in yourself and your project and you just have to keep going after it because it's not going to come to you. You've got to go out and, you know, track it down, find it, whatever, work at it. And you just keep doing that until you get to where you want to be. And one of the things that I, aside from podcasting, which I never thought I'd get into, uh, something else that I'm, I'm looking to explore is e-publishing hurts my jaw to say that but uh, yeah it looks like unfortunately for most people anyway looks like e-publishing is going to expand and become something that uh, ain't going away no so anyway yeah I'm going to go ahead and, and start putting some of my work out as e-publications and uh, hopefully be able to reach more people get some Newer fans uh, expand my own horizons a little bit, my own customer base, fan base, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I, I've still got a number of stories that are half finished or quarter finished or three quarters finished that I need to finish up. And I'm going to put out some of my previous work as e stories and then put out some new work as e stories. And eventually I'll put out uh, The Dragon Hunters and other fantasy tales as an e-book. I have one for you. What, what about A Coming Madness? Oh, yeah. Well, that's one of those stories. That, oh, is it? Okay. You know. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be great for an e-book, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Uh, except that's, uh, that's a book book. That's a novella, at the very least. 
But anyway, yeah, we still have work to do. So. But everyone seems to be doing it, and, and the younger people, as they, as they come up into the world and start wanting to read, don't seem to know what a book is anymore. No. And uh, so apparently I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and start putting out some, uh, you know, cheap shit that goes into little tiny flat tablets. In fact, it's it's becoming such a trend. Uh, my son's teacher was telling me that the school is looking at investing in tablets or iPads, which will replace the textbook, just because of, of where things are going. Well, the good thing about replacing textbooks is that uh, history and you know stuff changes every year. And they can't afford to buy new books every year. So a lot of schools are using books that are five, six, seven, eight years old and they don't even have all the information in them the kids need to learn. So at least with a tablet they can update whatever they're studying. On a continuum. Yeah. That wouldn't be too bad. But, uh, well, I'm just, I'm an old book collector, an old book reader, and it just really pains me to see, uh, books going away but on the other hand I guess it would save trees and whatnot. well I think that they'll still continue to make books um, maybe not in the troves of, of thousands or millions of what you know, more like millions now you know but I, I think that you know people that enjoy having a physical book you know I think they'll they'll continue to market to them as well so, do you know what your first e-story is going to be? Have you decided yet? Yeah, I'm going to take stuff out of the Dragon Hunters, and, and that, that will be the first first few stories will be the Dragon Hunters, the Foul Business by Any Name, and then I'm going to throw in a short flash piece, uh, Requiem for Turn, Turn of Bill. <laughs> that is a good one, yes. So there will be three little stories in there for, you know, Twelve ninety-nine, so that should be good. <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, for you know, ninety-nine cents or whatever. And then periodically, I guess uh, they they have free days. You know, people get this shit free. Right. But uh, anyway, so that 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 that'll be a start, and I'll pull another two or three stories out of it, and put them up, put some stuff up. Hopefully, every couple of weeks or so. So. Keep everything fresh for the people? Well, not just keep it fresh, but keep it flowing. And then after a while, um, we'll put the book up, the whole book, so they can have the whole book if they'd like. Very cool. In the meantime, I'll try to finish some of the other stuff. So I toss in some new stuff periodically just to, uh, that would be keeping it fresh, I guess. Okay. I just hate to do it, but it's just one of those things that has to be done. Progress and uh, dreams of future past. <laughs> what was that? Can't remember who wrote that. Who sang that? Uh, Dark Knights, uh, Velvet, something. Who the fuck was that? Ah! 
I know the Beatles did a, a Oh, song. no, 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 no. This was... Uh, uh, oh, my head is breaking open. <laughs> oh, Nights in White Satin. And Dreams uh, of Future Past. Help me, world. God damn it. What is it, Nights? Nights in White Satin. K-N-I-G-H-T-S? Yeah, yeah. Nights, Nights. Purple, purple, purple something. Deep, deep something. Deep. The Moody Blues. <laughs> Fuck. That hurts. That really <laughs> fucking hurt. The Moody Blues. Yeah, my God. That's Moody Blues. Okay, I don't know where the hell that reference came up from. But anyway, the Moody Blues. Nice and white set. Oh, man. Talk about dripping back in time. 1967. I was I was there though for that. Yeah. I was negative ten years old. Yeah, you were a big negative. <laughs> Still anyway. am. Yeah, some people. Anyway, <laughs> um, totally totally off off track, but that was just something that uh, popped into my head out of nowhere. Um, I don't even know what I was talking about when that came up. But oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, attending to the future and dealing with shit we don't want to. But anyway, yeah, so um, in the next few weeks, hopefully, I'll be able to start posting some of that information and story crap online. I mean, yeah. Yeah, online. online yeah, right. So. Now, is, is it going to be a Kindle exclusive? Well, you said it's going to go through Amazon, right? I suppose. Okay, so it's going to be Kindle exclusive. Because you have you have Kindle, which is owned by Amazon, or you have the Nook, which is owned by Barnes and Nobles. Oh, well, I know that if you go with one or the other, you can't do it. Right. With the other, if you go with one, you're stuck with that. Because they say you know if you sign with us, you can't right electronically publish with anybody else. Stop the segregation, people. But I can still sell the book because yeah. that's not electronic. <clears throat> but anyway, I don't know. I, I still think that Kindle is a uh, has a bigger market. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's more not user well. It is user friendly, but it's more directed towards. Not only the readers, but the publishers, the you know the creators. Yeah, I, I think there's more an advantage to going with the Kindle than this with the Nook. Well, yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about Nook anyway. I haven't heard it mentioned by anybody for months, so I just forgot about it completely. The Kindle is out there pretty much all the time. I always hear people talking about that, so I would, yeah, I would assume we'd go there. So, what else you got? Moody Blues were a fucking great band, though, dude. If you aren't familiar with them, you should check it out. That was just, oh, so awesome shit. Man, fuck. I'm so old. <laughs> body, body's falling apart, but the brain still clicks here and there on shit that has no bearing on anything. <clears throat> but, you know, whatever. I don't know. Anyway... If you are not familiar with Kevin Smith or his work, um, and I know there are people who are not simply because his core audience is 
left of center, to say the least. But check some of this stuff out, because it's it's just hilarious, if you like, uh, you know, kind of raunchy humor, and one guy doesn't. But, uh, and if you are way, way, way left of center, check out Peeperson, Peeperson, because some of his movies are so totally different that uh, they're, they're very interesting. And some of them are good. Um, his music is, uh, again, you have to uh, you either love it or you hate it, but he's got a huge repertoire of uh, both film and music and writing now, books, ebooks, and stuff, so check it out. Uh, these are these are indie, independent uh, marketers for the most part. Uh, Kevin Kevin Smith went with uh, you know Miramax and stuff, but uh, the work was independent to begin with. And Peterson uh, is still a, an independent producer. So anyway, I guess I, I'm just uh, blowing it now. I think we're about through. I don't even know what time it is. Uh, yeah, we're far enough in. We're... Well, good. Again, thanks all of our listeners. And don't forget that now uh, you can contact us uh, directly via email uh, at sheerdarkness at jasonmon.com and at reaperick at jasonmon.com. Yes. So, uh, write, let us know what you think, what you want, what you need, and, uh, you know, we'll talk at you again next week. Right? So, I'll let Dave close this out, and I'll just say good night, all. Thanks. All right, Terry. That was fun. I always enjoy talking about writing and Kevin Smith, and it was just a little bit of everything that was a fun discussion. All right, folks, for Terry D. Shear, I am David K. Montoya, and I bid you all a good night. Well, I hope that everybody that was listening today was a Kevin Smith fan, because if not, you are one now. Uh, you know, three hours of praising Kevin Smith, the writer, director, the legend, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Smith. Um, that was a great episode. I, I actually enjoyed listening to every single one a little bit more than what I usually do because, you know, we, we specifically talked about someone that I enjoy. Um, so that's it for this week, kids. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Uh, come back next week. I'm going to go park this bad boy for now, but next week we'll pull out the Wayback Machine and we'll do it all again. We'll pull three more podcasts and we'll enjoy three hours of audio entertainment right here. Only on Flashback Fridays. See you next week, kids.